welcome to the Present Fathers Podcast, the podcast that focuses on climbing the mountain of fatherhood together. My name is George, and I'm joined by Justin, Dustin, and Brandon. And in tonight's episode, we are going to discuss the four pillars of manhood, which comes from the book called Tender Warrior, written by Stu Weber. So uh, before we go around and, and say introductions, I'm just really excited for this episode. Um, I think the content in this one is just very core to what this podcast is about. And, um, you know, I think a lot of the problems that we have in our society today is from a, a lack of the four pillars of manhood. Um, and we'll get into some of those through through this podcast, but I'm, I'm really excited, guys. I'm really glad you're here. Uh, so let's just go ahead and real quick just see how everyone's been the last couple of weeks. It's been a little bit longer uh, in between episodes because I was out in the field. So now that we're back, we're, we're back to it. So, Justin, how have you been, brother? Oh, man. Uh, so started a new career. Awesome. Um, I won't say who with who, but let's just say medical, excuse me, medical sales. So uh, things are they're going up, man. Good. Everything's falling into place. Uh, you know, it's so funny. Everyone talks about how God has a, a plan. Well, I was taking a little flight, and then it just nosedived and crashed the ground and burned. And then I got in a new plane, and now it's like. There we go. Well, so, congr congratulations. Good, I'll joke inside. Thanks, man. Congrats. Yeah, no, uh, Bennett's, Bennett's hit some milestones. Um Speaking of fatherhood, he is rolling like a roly-poly, man. The kid, like today when I was on the phone with my mom, he rolled three times. Nice. Uh, so, and he's just getting it and pushing up and doing his whole thing. And yeah, so it's it's awesome. And now that I'm home and I'm not working 24-7, mm -hmm. uh, I've been spending some time with him. And man, he's just, he, he, our relationship has, has grown. And he's actually in that phase. Um, so there's different phases through uh childhood and infancy that my wife has been tracking and the next one is is uh relationships and recognizing faces and things like that so I, i'm starting to see that in a room full of people if i walk in he smiles at me that's or he awesome smiles at my wife so yeah yeah it's, cool. it's nice awesome man well i'm yeah, glad you're doing good. good congrats on the new career and uh yeah i think since Thanks, last dude. episode i know work was really stressing you out so it's good to hear that it's uh turned around for you yeah it's enjoyable so i'm excited congrats man Glad you're here. Uh, Brandon, how have you been, brother? Man, I've been great. Uh, started a new career as well, a new job. Uh, I am now officially a trade and research analyst for a, a fiduciary firm. And uh, man, this job is above and beyond better than anything I've ever had. And it's so funny because like every previous job I've ever had built me exactly for this. So I know that this is God's will. And uh, I just, I can't praise him enough for it. Kids and the wife are doing great. My wife and I just celebrated our 12 year wedding anniversary. Congrats. And we're officially together for 22 years now. It's a so long time. Doing, yeah, doing great. Uh, enjoyed the book, the, yeah. the Tender Warrior book. This I, I've been doing a lot of exercise and walking lately. And man, I listen to audio a version of it and I, I just can't stop listening mm -hmm. like cliff notes and and little sections that he said that were just such great quotes. So I'm very excited to talk about it today. Awesome, man. Dustin, how about you? It's been great. Um, I don't know if you all have ever heard of scalloping, but uh, you go in about five feet of water and uh, these little scallops are hanging out there and they look at you with their thousand little blue eyes and uh, they, they swim like Pac-Man. So they see you and they go, arr, 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 and they try to swim away and you get after them and you grab them and it's like, it's super fun. And then you fry them up in uh, butter and garlic and it's absolutely delicious. <laughs> We got out there for that. That was really cool. Nice. I found a little baby starfish for my son. He was super excited about that. So it was a really, really cool trip. That was fun. 
Um, awesome. And big highlight of my week, um, we helped remove a lava lamp from a man's rectum. Um, that was a really special kind of tender moment. Speaking of tender work. Wow. <laughs> That's uh, the, the joys of medicine, huh? Wow. <laughs> I don't even. I'm just like, how does this happen? So, I mean, I, I wow. I, I'm assuming it was an intentional <laughs> insertion there, not not That's accidental. Correct. Yeah. Yes. Genius. <laughs> wow. It wasn't tight because it probably would have broke otherwise. <laughs> that means uh, natural selection at play right there. Oh but wow. That's exactly right. Yeah. So we nice. are uh, we're doing the Lord's work at, at the hospital. Clearly. <laughs> Taxpayer dollars at work right there. Yeah. Man. <laughs> Woo! And on that happy yeah. note, yeah. Anything else? Just a great couple of weeks. Not, happy to see you guys. And the greatest part was uh, pulling out a lava lamp. That's awesome. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, uh, man. We're glad you're here, guys. I'm excited to be back. Uh, had an, an extended uh, army vacation out in the field, so that's why we had to kind of postpone this one a little bit. But uh, got got a real good face tan. That's about it. And the, the neckline's probably really great. You can probably see it right there. So. Uh, no, we had a great time. Lots of blown stuff up. Lots of ranges. Basically every weapon system. So I gotta go. I sent you some of the videos, but yeah, basically doing all the, the uh, the fun stuff of the army. None of the ad, hey, none of the admin Those stuff. Cool. So the the rest of the year I get to do all the admin stuff. So it was fun to to play for a couple of weeks. But good to be home, man. I'm really glad to be back home with the family. My daughter obviously missed me. She's at the point now where she's old enough to like really know when daddy's gone and. Uh, you know, even if it's just a couple of weeks, she, you know, it's like, when are you going to be home and stuff? And so it's, it gets harder every time, but, uh, yeah. it, it was, it was good for me on a, on a personal level to get out and, but I'm, I'm glad to be back, back home and, and back here doing this podcast. So, um, yeah, we, why don't we just dive right into it? I've got a feeling that we're going to have a lot to talk about a lot of different tangents we're going to want to go off on. So in the interest of time, let's just, let's just dive into the presentation and start talking about the book. Um, just for a little context for anyone who maybe hasn't read it yet, um, the book is written by uh, Stu Weber, who uh, kind of kicks off the book talking about what woke him up to to realize he needed to set his life straight in in a sense. Um, but he was a special forces uh, soldier in Vietnam and survived that, and then eventually changed course and became a pastor. And he's basically done that with the rest of his life. He's raised three sons. Um, he's been married to the same woman his whole life, and basically he wrote this book kind of talking about how um, a real man, a man of God, a, a man who cares for his family and, and for others is not just uh, a one-dimensional man and, and has multiple facets. And so that's where the, the emphasis for this episode comes in called The Four Pillars. He calls them The Four Pillars of Manhood, and uh, that's the chapter we're going to dive into, and then a little bit of the next chapter kind of ties into uh, this one really well. So let me go ahead and get this presenting. Um, here we go. Go live. And you should be able to see my screen. Let me get the Discord out of the way so I can see you boys. And we will present. Can you all see it? Mm -hmm. Perfect. All right. So the four pillars of manhood. The subtext of it is a man and his roots. And like I said, these notes are created from my reading of Tender Warrior by Stu Weber. So giving all credit to the author. We are not trying to take anything from him, but this is an outstanding book. Um, if you are maybe struggling or you want to just be a better man in general, I highly recommend you read this one. Uh, so let's talk about the four pillars right into it. The, the four that he defines are king, warrior, mentor, and friend. Um, and he calls these the four unshakable pillars of masculinity. And the point that he draws out too in this chapter is that you can find these 
in scripture, but you can also find them in secular history as well. So if you look at uh, men across history and in the in the Bible as well that uh, are kind of comprehensive men that basically everyone looks up to and admires, they're they're most likely going to have all four of these pillars in their life and and displaying them in balance. And so he also makes it very clear through this chapter that balance is important uh, of the four. So. We'll get into that, the whole the why, if you're out of balance, how that can play some really negative impacts uh, in, in your life and in society. But um, let's go through quickly. Maybe what we'll do is I'll go through the four pillars, kind of a little bit deeper dive so we have some context, and then let's maybe talk about them and kind of um, kick it back and forth, guys, your thoughts and reactions and things like that. Does that sound good? Absolutely. Sounds great. All right, so we said king, warrior, mentor, friend. The first one, king, all right? So this isn't like an authoritarian, right? There's authority, but that's not like ruling like a tyrant. So, uh, you know, a a noble king, a good king has a provisionary heart. Uh, And so if you think about that, he... um, you know, this this is where the provider aspect of men really really comes into the the forefront in in modern society is you know you provide for your family you're thinking ahead you have a plan for your family you're looking out for them right a good king a good ruler would think about his people and pro- try to protect them from you know hardships in the future and prepare them for those so that's that's where um, you know as a father as a husband um, that role of king is is vitally important. And then to dig a little bit deeper too, right? They, they watch over, they protect, but you also provide order, mercy, and justice. And so I just want to make it very clear that when he says you're a king and that's that's one of your roles as a man, it's not to lord over, it's not to be a tyrant, it's not a, a dictator, uh, a, a noble king cares for and protects and, and there should be order and justice within your kingdom, right? Um, and so this is important too because I think... Um, well, I don't want to go too often to tangent, but the, a, lot, a lot of men today have forsaken their role as king. And that's why I think there's so much turmoil um, in homes, in our families, is that men aren't taking their role seriously. And a lot of times they actually yield it to their spouse. Um, and that causes discord, not order, right? It, it creates the opposite. Um, it can create uh, animosity between your between you and your spouse, right? Women and men are created in a certain way. Um, and so if you if you adhere to... The scripture, or you believe the scripture, um, you know God makes it very clear that it's not just a recommendation that you be the head of your household. It's it's a God given instruction. So if you're not doing that, you're quite literally not meeting the mark. Um, so that's that's the first pillar. The next uh, three pillars have a little bit more depth to them in terms of what we want to talk about. But the next one is the warrior, um, and so this the the warrior has a protective heart. And the warrior shields, defends, and stands between, and and they guard. So I think this is something that a lot of men can identify pretty easily with. But I know that there are also a lot of men, maybe depending on how you were raised, that this will seem very um, awkward to you or maybe not natural. But uh, I really love the the part in the book where he talks about how men stand tallest when they're protecting and defending. And if you think about it, um, you know what what endears you to like a, a good father figure is is one that cares for and protects. Um, and then there's a huge thought about investing yourself, the energy of the self-disciplined aggressive action, right? So it's not a brute. It's very, it's very clear that uh, through scripture and then also, uh, you know, secular examples, men who are warriors and are protectors are not brutes, right? You're not a savage who goes out and just um, abuses your power. It's restrained, disciplined, aggressive action, right? It's it's controlled force. It's controlled aggression. Um, 
and, and it's very important too if you think about your family right you're the protector of your family um there, there probably is a time where you have to fight right and maybe that fight isn't even physical but when it's time to fight you need to be there to stand between your family and whatever harm they're facing um and then the other part that kind of gets into your emotional spiritual realm is high moral standards and high principles so uh he kind of capstones this in the book with saying that you're, you're willing to live by them, stand for them, spend yourself in them, and if necessary, die for them. So it's a very serious role, very huge uh, pillar. Um, but just wanted to make it very clear, you're not a brute. It, it's, a, it's a measured response. Uh, the next one is mentor. And so this is one where I really want, I have a couple thoughts about, you know, the whole term mansplaining. Um, really want to kind of go off on a tangent on that one here. But Men are inherently designed to know things, right? We have we have a heart that's a teaching heart. And, um, you know, I, I'm very much this way. Like, when I know something or I learn something new, I want to help others learn it too. Like, I get excited about, hey, man, I learned this awesome thing. Like, I wanted to pass it on. So I think that's just honestly how we're wired. Um, but it's also one of our roles that uh, is ordained to us to, for our families, for our friends. Um, you're supposed to model, explain, and train. Um, and then you disciple. And so you disciple first your family, your wife and your kids, and then others. And I think that's a key thing, too, that your first – I've heard it say, said to me that your first ministry is your family. And so I think that's really what that is saying there. Um, but it's also a spiritual heart, right? It's not just knowledge. It's not just book knowledge. It's comprehensive knowledge about life. And I think that's the next point. It's, you know things. Men are supposed to be able to teach life. I love that line right there because – Life is so much more than just what's in a book. It's so much more than knowledge about a sport or a car. It's a comprehensive thing that we all experience together. And our role as men is to be knowledgeable about them. It doesn't mean you have to be the smartest guy in the room or any of that kind of thing. But it's you, you are designed to pass on what you've learned to your children, to your friends, and to others. So, um, And this is where I wanted to get into the mansplaining just a little bit. And I'm sure we're going to have lots of discussion on this piece. But... Um, you know, I think this is one of the biggest attacks on men is, oh, well, you're mansplaining or, oh, you're, you're, you're trying to, because you're a man, you think you know better. And I don't think that's the case. I think many, many times men are genuinely wanting to just share a better way of doing things or, and it's out of compassion and, and wanting to help others. Uh, and then they're shot down, you know, as, as mansplaining. So, um, you know, I, I think uh, if Stu Weber went, you know, went off script and talked about that, he'd probably have a lot to say about it. But um, that that's what popped in my head when I was reading this chapter. And then the fourth pillar is the friend or the lover, but not to be mistaken in the erotic sense. It's more of uh, unconditional love, compassionate love. So the friend is the function that's most endearing, and it's a loving heart. Okay, So it's a caregiving heart, passionate, yes, but even more so compassionate. I will be with you. Um, and the loving heart is a commitment maker. It's a promise keeper. So it's being a man of your word. And, I, and this is from a secular uh, doctor here, this quote. It says, the energy that connects men to the others and to the world. And uh, so that's where the, we're going to just leave it for now and get into discussion, guys. But um, those are the four pillars. So now we have some context. Um, let's just go around the horn, just initial reactions when you guys first read through the four pillars and your thoughts about them and um, kind of just how it struck you on that first read. Floor's open. I think that there were some amazing points, um, both biblically and 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 just uh, in this world. There's so many things that people are lacking in these pillars, and I think that's what has caused such a toxic attack 
on uh, men in general. So a great example of that is a man will claim to be a Christian. Um, he has a lack of understanding of what headship and leadership truly is as a, the leader of a family. And he's also lacking the word. He's lacking um, a true spirituality, spiritual connection with, with Christ. And he's not anchored in Christ. So uh, instead of being a leader that is compassionate, that is loving, that is stoic in the sense of uh, sticking to the word and sticking to the hierarchy that God has set in place, um, they are abusing and using, like you had said with the, the warrior, um, the brute, like it's my way or the highway. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I feel like so many men have tarnished um, a lot of these pillars. And they, I think that's where a lot of people have tried to attack from is they're using those, those people that are bad examples of what real men are. And they're going after that kind of person. And they're, they're blanketing everybody else. That's a man in that. Mm -hmm. um, so I feel like uh, for us to, 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 um, to grow and to, to be altruistic to other people, we have to, um, we have to, exemplify the the real qualities the good qualities and show people what a real man can be uh, and do it with authority and confidence because christ and um, the the word has ordained it it's good i like that anyone else your initial thoughts to the to the four pillars justin i think you're muted brother Dustin, go for it. He's too slow. <laughs> okay, yeah, you're fine. Um, yeah, so this book really resonated with me a lot. Um, there were a lot of kind of key points that, uh, I mean, it was written a number of years ago, but I mm -hmm. think the pace of how much society has changed has accelerated uh, yeah. drastically in the past decade. Um, and great example that he didn't address, but that I think, um, you know, we, we can talk about a little bit is the concept of toxic masculinity. Um, so that's maybe a good one to get a definition of. Um, that's realistic, right? We don't want to lampoon it because uh, it is a real thing. It's it's something yeah. that you know we'll take seriously, and it's something we have to address whether we believe it or not. Um, so you know, a toxically masculine man, man explains everything, doesn't want to listen. Um, he's a little aggressive or a lot aggressive. Um, he sexually harasses women. Um, what else? You know, there's a number of uh, you know character flaws that we would you know associate yeah. with a toxically masculine man. I think the problem is it starts to encompass more and more of traditional masculinity and positive qualities, right? So a man um, who wants to help and genuinely wants to be a part of someone's life, um, you know, but, but wants to take a leadership role is often considered toxic, right? Mm -hmm. And so the challenge yeah. is, you know, as a man uh, working within our, our current culture um, and lifestyle and what's considered acceptable, um, and it's really going to, depend on each person, you know, that you talk to. Um, so it's a, it's a really difficult, confusing time to navigate as a man who let's say, you know, has the four pillars underneath him, right? right. Um, he's a, he's a leader, he's a friend, um, he's a mentor, uh, and he's a warrior. Um, that kind of man, I think is going to struggle in, in some industries and in some uh, situations, because he's going to be looked at as toxic. Um, yeah. And so my hope is that our society moves back uh, to accepting a man who 
genuinely wants to help, um, wants to protect and wants to lead. Um, and, and those are positive things because right now, I think if you talk to a lot of people, they would consider a man who wanted to do those things as toxic and bad and, and antisocial. Hmm. Um, and that, that's a scary situation that our, you know, I think our society is entering into. So if you guys don't mind, I might play a little bit of devil's advocate. Yeah. You know, Cause I don't want all four of us to say, this is the best book ever. And right. we're just gonna, you know, we love Stu Weber. I mean, I, I, I respect a lot of what he, he about and I, I love um, what he talked about. It really resonated with me, but I think it'd be helpful if I bounced back a little bit and said, okay, I'm your modern woke uh, dad. Um, and here's how I would respond, you know, to those ideas. So if that'll be helpful, I'll, I'll play that role. Sure. Yeah. No, I mean, th- we're not, we're not here to just be an echo chamber. I know a lot of us kind of have a lot of shared nah. beliefs, but, um, yeah, I mean, we're, the goal here is to try and challenge each other and to grow. So I, yeah, I'm, all, I'm all for it. <laughs> yeah. I'll awesome. play off of that actually a little bit. So, uh, the thing that kind of resonated me is the King side of things I guess the first pillar which is funny, it's the first pillar because I think it's the most important pillar to me personally. Mm-hmm. Uh, because as a father, yeah, you're supposed to be loving. Yeah, you're supposed to be, you know, all these other things. But you are the leader of your family, 100%. And I think the problem is society, everybody's so independent these days and has their damn opinions. And let's be real, opinions are like assholes. Everyone has one and they stink. Uh, so at the end of the day, it's just like, it's so many opinions since social media has come up. Let's just be real. Mm-hmm. Like everybody has an opinion and they're so quick to just butt into not only, you know, someone's conversation, but societal, uh, I guess, hierarchies and the way things are built. And um, I think the family in that aspect is the man should be the leader of the family. And I, and that goes back to biblical times. That goes back to, you know, hell just, our, our society as a whole before it took a, a left turn out of nowhere off a bridge. So I think that the problem is personally to today, my opinion is I think that the King aspect is the most important because they society doesn't see men as the leaders anymore. Mm-hmm. And I think Stu did a really good job of visualizing and pointing out that a man can be easily distracted and, you know, go out and hunt wildebeest instead of hunting the path and and paying attention to where and scouting where he needs to be so that his family, when they follow, can follow in a good place instead of a dangerous place. And I think that's incredibly intelligent the way he put it. Uh, So a king is probably the most important to me because, like you said, George, they provide order. They provide the mercy and the justice. Um, you know, a father shouldn't make the mom the bad cop and be the good guy. You know, yeah. oh yeah, haha, mom's the bad guy. Mm-hmm. No, the get the dad should play both roles. Hey, you screwed up, son. Like you can get your little butt whooped, or I'm gonna tell you why you did wrong, and then I'm gonna teach you how to fix it. You right. know, like that's there's not enough of that anymore. Fathers are so, and I said this wrong in the first one. Detrimental. I'm an idiot. I know, uh, but no, they're they're essential. Was the word I meant in the growth of any child and i think that's such a a big thing is being authoritative and i think that's the problem with society today is that nobody respects authority anymore Mm -hmm. so not having a father around teaches you that you can get away with whatever yeah being that authoritative figure saying hey no you screwed the hell up man like we need to sit down and talk about this and Mm -hmm. not be that heavy hand like you said like a brute you don't want to just come down on your child 
and you know spank them or beat them or whatever i mean sometimes they need that but uh you need to be able to say just one-on-one have a great conversation with your kid if we're relating as a father and just say look you know this is where you messed up this is how i would have handled it this is how i'd like you to handle it in the future and just you know kind of go from there so i mean i don't mean to go on a tangent but i think king is probably the most important and i think also kids need to understand uh in my household at least my wife is the queen and that means she is above the prince mm-hmm. bennett will not ever take a place above my wife and he's going to understand that his mother is to be respected and she is to be viewed as you know somebody that to be is to be looked up to and appreciated yeah. and loved and i think that's that's also disappearing from the family aspect because mothers mm-hmm. are taking on so many roles and they're they're you know, they're having to become independent, especially single moms. They're playing both roles. And it's it's just there's a lot going on. I think King, to me, is probably the strongest pillar. Just And that, that's that's half the reason a lot of people have such a negative uh, view of men in general mm-hmm. is because most men are not um, responsible enough for their own actions to actually step up and be dads. Right. They, they bail out. They leave. Um, they let whatever that's driving them, whether it's selfishness or or whatever other motivation it is, um, take over. And they, they just, they leave the child and the, the mom to fend for themselves. Yeah. So yeah, no, no wonder our society is eroding and no wonder, uh, men are not seen as, as good. Mm-hmm. And Stu, Stu mentions that, you know, uh, the warrior or any of the pillars, um, that are, that are being shown authoritatively, um, like in the brute, uh, is not a popular figure in today's society. And he said that women and children need to be protected from such men uh, by faithful warriors mm-hmm. um, whose lives are in balance. Right. So that's like the good mentors that you see and the, the good guys that actually stepped up and they kept their word and they stayed around. Even in the harshest of times, they stayed being a father and stayed present. And I, I mean, that's like you said, um, George, earlier, That's that's exactly what our podcast is about is equipping and teaching men to be present regardless of the sacrifice, regardless mm-hmm. of the pain and the struggle, because every hard in life, like any choice you make is going to be hard. You can fail hard or you can succeed hard. You got to choose your heart in life, right. you know? And so you you want to choose the one that benefits your family and other people the most, uh, especially your children. And I think the absence of fathers, um, today is just one of the the biggest issues. Like you know, everybody says reform this, reform that. Like you know, when it comes to education and things, but man, it's just get a home that is actually a man and a woman together, actually living by the the structure that God intended, and then let let's start changing things as we need to. But there's so much missing from that just by itself, and that's such a huge impact on children. Yeah. So. so I'd like to read uh, a quote from the book that, so we're talking about the balance and I'll get back to the presentation here after I read this, but um, he's talking about the balance of having the four pillars and what, what that provides. And so it says like four strands of steel, they were woven together to form a cable. That is the spine of masculinity. A good man is the balance of the four. A good warrior is also a sensitive lover, a tender warrior. A good friend is always a helpful mentor. They're, the four are inseparable in a good man. In balance, they are every man's purpose, every woman's dream, and every child's hope. Abused, they are the curse of every man, woman, and child. And so I think that's kind of what we were hitting on. And let me let me pop over back to the uh, to the presentation here. 
um yeah because here here's here's exactly what you're talking about right so um you know you can't be just one or just a few of these pillars if you are something's going to be out of balance and and something in your life is going to be paying the price for your lack of developing or paying attention to that pillar and so i think also we're all probably naturally good at one or two of these more so than the other ones like so for me personally empathy massive weakness for me my whole life i have to put a lot of effort into being more empathetic being compassionate right it's the tender aspect of the the warrior um and not like i'm some badass or whatever i've just I, that's just how i am i'm just kind of a cold calculated individual it's just maybe it's a product of my environment or just i'm born that way i don't know but you know i'm sure everyone would have a different tale they would tell about which two or which three that are natural for them and which one is their weakness so it's not saying that this is like an easy task, right? This is something that takes work and effort. And that's why it's so important to first, you have to understand what they are so you can even identify how to improve, right? If you don't know, like I've heard it said, uh, if you don't know where you're going, you can't lead anyone there yourself, right? So you have to know your purpose. You have to know where you're going to. And yet in order to know where you're going to, you have to know where you are also, right? And so then you can find the gap between the two and, and start course correcting. Um, but so I just, I love that quote from the book. Um, and again, just making it clear that abusing any of these pillars is the curse of every man, woman, and child, right? The, the brute example or, um, you know, the king being uh, a dictator, not a, not a benevolent ruler, right? It's not, it's not, uh, it, it's not meant to give you uh, extra power over to extort them. It's, it, everything is supposed to be out of love and compassion for your family, for your wife, um, for your friends, it's it's never supposed to be, uh, you know, how can I uh, extort these people for my benefit, right? That's 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 abusing the pillars. Um, so I think where I wanted to go to and, and really start talking about this, because this is kind of the brass tacks of it all, right, is the initiation, right? So masculinity means initiation. And at our core, a man is an initiator. So in the Hebrew language, the, the term for man um, meant piercer. And in the anatomical sense, yes, you you know you pierce you, your spouse, but it's also in a, an emotional sense, right? We have to be the ones to take the first step and to initiate uh, connection. Um, so it, it's one who penetrates, moves forward, and advances towards the horizon. One who leads. Um, there's an example, kind of talking about on page forty nine. Like, uh, imagine if there wasn't the initiation. Have you ever seen an orchestra without a conductor, a team without a quarterback, a boat with no rudder, a compass without a needle? Pretty pathetic. Nothing works right. Ever seen a man without initiative? Like a compass without a needle, he is not a compass. A man without initiative is not a man. Masculinity means initiation. To be masculine is to take the initiative, to provide direction, security, stability, and order, to lead, to head, to husband. Masculinity means initiation. Nowhere does it say bossy. But more on that later. So I, I just love that piece of it because it, it, it's, it's great, right, to be all these things, but you have to put it into action, right? It's, it's, it's action, not words. Um, so, yeah, we can probably pause here. I want to let you all kind of get words in too. But that, that was a, a section that really stuck out for me there. I'm trying to get back to the – here we go. Hopefully that's – Yeah, no, I'll, I'll say something. Uh, so to go on to what Brandon was saying with structure and things, like if you if you look at any old good like uh, war medieval times movie, without a king, kingdoms fall. Right, and the king is supposed to lead that kingdom. And so, 
I think that's something as a present father, you know, that is literally what this podcast is about. We need more kings. We need guys who will step up to the plate instead of, oh, I'm going to run away from my responsibilities or, oh, well, you know, uh, it's not my fault she got pregnant. Yes, yes, it is. It takes two to tango, you know, like stick around and, and realize how incredible whatever you have ahead of you is a blessing and and like actually be there for that child because I'll say this, man, like just personally being a dad is is something I've always wanted to be. So it's a little different for me, but now that I am a father, man, I, I can't get enough. Mm-hmm. It's, it's so addictive, man. And like that child just loves you unconditionally. You can have everybody in the world absolutely hate you. But then at the end of the day, you know, that kid's never going to hate you. He's going to always love you and be there. And it's just, I don't know. It's a, it's a good feeling, man. And I, I wish more dads would, would understand if they stuck around or if they, you know, stayed true to, these pillars and and were that man that is there for their family, I think they would get to feel some of those incredible feelings, you know? Mm -hmm. Dustin, got any, uh, anything to add? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I I think we definitely have a crisis of leadership in this country. Um, working in healthcare, I see this every day. Um, you know, it's just a disaster in terms of, uh, what used to be a well-run ship is just the inmates are running the asylum now. Um, and you see that in lots of other industries as well. And it's a real challenge. Um, again, to play devil's advocate, I think women can be fantastic leaders. Um, in fact, I think, uh, organizations that have some female and some male leaders are better run than purely male leaders. Um, so I think there is something to be said for, uh, you know, some of the leadership, uh, coming from, uh, from women. Uh, I think a woman would make a great president. Uh, I think there's a lot of situations where women can be fantastic leaders, even within the, uh, family unit. I grew up with a single mom. Um, it was tough, but she did a fantastic job. I know there's some holes. I don't know how to fix a car. You know, there's some some stuff that, you know, I definitely uh, yeah. missed out in the dad time for sure. But uh, as far as can that work, it definitely can. Um, is it ideal? I don't know. You know, it's hard to say. Uh, but but I think um, always saying that the man, the, the genetic male has to be the leader in every type of situation, I, I think is a mistake. Um, I think it's okay to cede, you know, uh, some leadership to women um, because they do a great job and we've seen, um, you know, that that work really well. Um, That being said, as we've seen this massive transition to the majority of leadership roles, I would argue going to women, um, 60, 70 percent of graduates from college now uh, are female. Um, Mm -hmm. All of your doctors, all of your lawyers, uh, all of your people going into positions of power, they're all female. Um, I don't know why, uh, but the American man has kind of abdicated, uh, power and leadership. Um, there's just not much interest among boys into, you know, getting, getting into positions of power, being fathers. Um, and you guys might be able to, you know, enlighten me on this. Um, but our society has shifted so radically, you know, in the past 20 years where, I don't know if it's entertainment, you know, where the idea of playing video games all day or of, um, you know, just entertaining ourselves in other ways is just too appealing to men. Whereas women naturally, you know, have more of a tendency to, um, you know, want to succeed in school or I, I don't know the reason for it, but I'm happy to show you guys the studies on it. It's terrifying. Mm-hmm. Uh, boys and men are falling so far behind. And even if it was 50, 50, that'd be great. You know, if half of your doctors, half of your lawyers are women and half are men, but it's not, it's like 70, 75% of all of your graduates are female now. Um, so something happened, not necessarily in our generation, but the generation after, where American boys 
just lost their mojo and have just decided they don't want to be fathers, they don't want to be leaders, and they don't want to be successful. Um, and I'd, I'd love to hear your insight on why we think this is happening. Yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to comment on that. So um, I think it's a lack of that. This whole generation's lack of actual real fathers that had balance in these these pillars. Um, they they never grew up around it. Um, they didn't experience it, and usually. It takes a lifetime to, to learn these things the hard way if you're doing it solo or independently. And as far as the woman is concerned, I, when, okay, so I don't want this to come off sexist, okay? Because women are perfectly capable of being great leaders. My wife is my first mate. I am the captain of the ship. And the reason why we stick to that <clears throat> is not because I need all the power or any of that stuff, it's because it's my responsibility to bear that burden. Um, women are naturally and biblically built to be caretakers and lovers of children and lovers like they, they produce life, um, not just physically, but in an emotional and spiritual sense in a household. Like my wife, amazing. She, she is the backbone of, of our family as far as emotional. Um, so I feel like God knew exactly what he was doing when he had us set in certain places. Now, again, this is situational, obviously, because some households don't have fathers. Some households have very different situations, like the father may be um, terminally ill or sick, um, something to that extent. So obviously, there's going to be different situations. But in the, the most common situation, the man being the leader is going to take the burden and the pressure of the responsibility of leadership so that the wife doesn't have to take that burden. And that's part of that sacrificial part that I think Stu was trying to touch on. Um, so for me, it's, it's, it's the man taking on the role, kind of in the warrior aspect of, I have to take on the burden because I want my wife to be free to do the things that she wants to do with our family. Um, I want her to be able to not be burdened and overpressured, especially in today's society, because there's already enough to worry about just being in a normal family environment, much less social media. My apologies. Mm. So I don't know if you just want to kind of wrap up the last uh, thoughts you had there about your, your roles within your home and why it works. Sure. Yeah. So uh, what I was saying was that the, the structure that God has intended, just it's, it's, it's set there to protect us. Just like, you know, um, the rules that we adhere to our, our children, like if they're in a room about to stick their hand in a socket, there's a rule not to get near those sockets because we know what uh, what things can happen or what dangers there are in our rooms. Mm -hmm. And so we, we create boundaries and we create um, uh, safeties um, to, to protect our children. God's done the same for us with a family structure. And he's built um, men and women in certain ways that, that just they harmoniously um, – work together to create protection for our children and for ourselves. So I, I just feel like that's such an, an important thing for, for people to think about when they're, when they're thinking about leadership. Yeah. But in, in no way is a woman not capable of being an amazing leader, um, especially when they have to step up as a single mom, you know? Mm -hmm. So I, I was going to actually interject earlier that I don't think what Stu Weber is talking about has anything to do with anything outside of like the home and the core family. The, the nuclear family sense. That's at least how I'm interpreting it. When I read this book, I, no, no, nothing in this said 
that in all aspects of life, men are the only ones who can lead. I think that that would be ludicrous for, for one, like, quite frankly, there's lots of things my wife can teach me about that I know nothing about because she's in like, I mean, for example, she's been going to school for years now to be a, uh, a veterinary technician. Um, and you know, when it comes to anything on animal medicine, I'd be an absolute fool to think that I'm going to know better than her. She's literally gone to, you know, been educated. Right. So that's just an example of like, so when it comes to dealing with our pets, I totally like take backseat. Hey, honey, what should we do? The dog threw up, you know, like I, I, I know nothing. Like I'm the student. She's the, the master. There's no, like, I'm, it, I, so I just want to make that clear that when we're talking about these senses is more in the role of raising your kids, being a husband, you know, at least that's how I interpreted it. I mean, maybe that's just my view of it, but fool i don't think anything yeah you can't say fool Um, we're not monetized yet whatever so i mean if that was the case then every streamer on twitch would be you know completely banned already so whatever we'll see um uh you know me i'm always gonna stick that foot right in that mouth yeah um no anyway but my point is i i I don't think that like he was writing this with the intent of saying that like a business shouldn't be run by a woman or any of that kind of thing um I, in my opinion, too, I think that running a business or whatever has absolutely nothing to do with a family, quite frankly, right? A business, is, it's there to make cash. It's, it's to turn a profit. Yes, you can still be about doing good things in the world, but at the end of the day, if you're not making money, your business is dying. That's not a family. Like, a family is so much more than that. There's so much more, you know what I mean? Like, so I don't, I think to equate the two is, is actually uh, um damaging quite frankly because if you're going to degrade what a family should be to oh it's a business um that's sad i mean if if, yeah. you, if you lived in that environment where it was just basically a business um I, I feel like there'd be a lot of tenderness missing from that household right so <laughs> that was just For my sure. um yeah i mean one of the most important words uh actually my dad taught me this um one of the most important words for family is dynamics. Everybody has a dynamic, you know what I mean? And I think with my family, it's uh, not the traditional nuclear family. I'm actually, you know, Dustin put out a very good point. Women are, there's a lot of women doctors. There's a lot of women lawyers. There's a lot of single moms. Mm-hmm. And Dustin's mom, I've actually met her at his wedding. And she seemed like a pretty damn incredible person. And she had to take on both roles. That's completely different than what we're talking about. I don't want people seeing this podcast and automatically, oh, let's cancel them because they think women can't be the king. Well, I'm not saying you're supposed to be or you're not supposed to be the king. I'm saying in a traditional family, the king rules with the queen, not rules over the queen. Like Mm -hmm. George has mentioned multiple times. Let's make that very clear. Stu even says, you know, the king is one there to guide. He's not there to be a tyrant. I think that's very, very important. But on the flip side of that coin, Dustin brought up a very good point. You know, growing up in a uh, a single mom home, it's it's different dynamics there. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's uncharted waters for a lot of people. It's not something that uh, someone ever plans. Hey, I'm going to be single and have a child. Like it sucks. Um, and so, I mean, like I've said repeatedly, this is the exact point of this podcast. We need more fathers. Mm-hmm. It's not about you know, fathers taking responsibilities from mothers. Because let's be real, in my household, my wife is a breadwinner times 10. I'll never make as much money as she does unless this blew up or I win the lottery. You know, short of that, I'm screwed. And 
I let's be real. I've also dated some very uh without getting sued, what's the nicest way of putting this? Very headstrong, very independent women. Uh so I like strong women. I like women who well, you know, have some ambitions and have different thoughts than the traditional female who just rolls over and takes it, you know, not figuratively or well, figuratively like not nineteen fifties uh, there. Yeah. Very poor choice um, of words. Words. We can we can cut that out. No. <laughs> it's fun. Come on, man. Anyways. Uh, uh <laughs> Dustin's over there like, I don't know this he, guy. Dustin's like no, trying to he's but, like, how can I tag onto that? No, Dustin loves yeah. it. He he gets it. No, I mean I didn't say anything wrong. I mean, let's not apologize for what we feel and think. I mean yeah. that's probably well, part so, of the reason society is so screwed up. But. Yeah, I mean, so let's let's get into, you know, what Dustin, you were saying, you know, like let's let's talk about why that is, right? Why are why is it all women graduating, taking doctor roles, lawyers, all that kind of stuff? Um couple of thoughts there. So uh, I guess I'll pull up the presentation again. I, I'm hesitant to present, guys, because it kind of ruined it last time. So I'm going to just keep kind of talking it. If you want to pull it up, I think I sent you the presentation. But I'm, there's a slide called Where Are the Kings and Warriors? Um, and in, in society today, the king and warrior qualities are suspect, for one. Um, they seem to be the most tarnished and eroded of the four pillars. And if you think about it, like hardly anyone objects to being like a mentor or a friend, right? But a lot of our society resists the king and the warrior. Um, and then on top of that, like you're saying, men, you said it yourself, Dustin, it, it appears that boys and men are abdicating uh, authority. And authority and strength seems to be questionable virtues in our day. Um, in many, I bet if you asked a lot of people, they'd say that strength is actually a toxic uh, trait. And strength isn't just physical strength. It's not how much you can bench press it's it's we'll get into this and it's it's kind of the where i want to wrap this all up is, is the concept of staying power and it, perseverance mm -hmm. endurance but um without authority and strength we're hollow men we're, we're empty um and so this is where i think like the whole concept of uh you know like modern feminism and i i can't i don't know all the terms guys i'm not an expert on it i have zero interest in trying to understand any of that because quite frankly i think it's just a perversion of what empowers women and in many cases uh i think today people are trying to say that men and women are the same but really what they're doing is just saying they're just trying to draw out from each to make lesser so then you're the same and i don't think that that's empowerment for either gender um i think that men excel at certain things and women excel at others and that's you know, how i believe how we were created but i think to to say oh men you shouldn't do this because you're good at it and women can't do it as well just makes everyone lose because then the, on the exact same the the flip side of that coin is there's things that women are better at that men aren't and so if we both couldn't do these things then now society's losing but i think there's something about in the role of fathers in a nuclear family that has such a um fundamental uh role in kind of how children turn out in life. Like I think the stat he read, wrote in the book, and this is from like the nineties, like early nineties, I think 1992 it was like 70% of men in prison grew up without a father. That's a lot, like 70%. So obviously there's some correlation. I, I, I don't know all the studies or why, but clearly dad's not taking that responsibility, being involved in their children's lives plays a massive negative impact in those kids' lives. 
can can people rise above it? Yes, but I think if anyone does any brief survey of any statistics on like kids from broken homes or kids with you know drug addicts or parents and things like that, it's like what less than five percent maybe make it out of that life. Maybe ten percent. Our next book will talk about that. Um, yeah. So our, our next uh, podcast is going to be on um, behavioral psychology for children mm-hmm. and how to be like you know a good parent or a good father around that. And um, the book that we're going to be reading is Meg Meeker's Strong Fathers, Strong Daughters. And it talks about the absence of fathers and the detriment that it has caused. And this lady has been a pediatric psychologist uh, for over 30, 35 years. And she's seen people time and time again fail because of no fathers. That's how you use that word, huh? Yeah, yeah. Um, to go back to your point though, George, on warriors and kingship, like people that are great examples, Stu's two models in this book for both a warrior and a king was Christ and King David. I mean, one conquered death, the other one conquered the Goliath and, you know, ran, ran his kingdom, you know? So I I think those were such (laughs) exemplary examples of both a warrior and a king. Yeah. I mean, they were perfectly balanced. They're authoritative, loving, empathetic, compassionate, visionaries. I mean, they did everything right. And and obviously, if we anchor ourselves in the example of Christ, it's naturally going to be something that, that we'll learn to do as we strive towards him. Yeah. So I, I love that he used those two guys. One last thing I just want to make really clear about this book, too, before anyone comes after us, is there there's two chapters dedicated to women and how men— we're not you're not supposed to lord over them it's a partnership marriage is a partnership you are equal partners you have separate roles but that doesn't mean you're not like one is not lesser than the other um and i think that that's another lie that our society has been led to believe that by having different roles or or agreeing to different roles within your marriage or within your household inherently means that one is you know lording over the other that's just ludicrous it's like i gave the example earlier with with caring for our pets i know nothing about it like i have that that is my wife's role when it comes to like what food we feed them and what what vet care we need to give them like she's the unequivocal you know master of that arena of our life right there's other things where we both have a lot of knowledge about so we it's it's you know 50 50 on the roles but then there's other things that like the money she does not want to deal with it because she, one she's not interested in it she doesn't know a lot about it uh it stresses her out right we kind of talked about that in our in one of our episodes already and so we, you know, we've found a balance in our marriage, but that doesn't make her lesser because she doesn't deal with the money, and I do. Like, it works yeah, for team. us, right? And so that's what I'm saying is that like these aren't we're talking in generic terms here, but it's not like a you know one size fits all. Like, you know, for example, to Dustin's point, right? If your wife is a doctor or your wife is a you know wizard with money or something, probably should let them you know manage that part of your family's finances or whatever, right? You see, what I'm saying this is like. Right. It's not an absolute here, but in general, like you should be, um, I think I think there's a tendency, and Dustin, you were bringing it up with earlier, is, um, like men are just timid. Like men, men are afraid. The word responsibility is a, is a dirty word today, and I don't yeah. know where that happened and how, but I was raised to believe or to to accept responsibility for my actions, for my failures. Um, to seek opportunities to have responsibility because that's just what you do and that's how you become successful in life is if you if you're not responsible for anything well great yeah you don't have to worry about anything but what are you doing with your life what are you accomplishing what are you 
you know, how are you improving the world around you? So I, I don't, I mean, we're really going off a, a rat hole here, but I think it's so sad to see how many men, like their dream job is to like not work, you know, like, oh, I just want to smoke weed and play video games. It's like, okay, yeah, that that's great for- There's a, too many escapes. Well, it's great for a 15 year old, right? But if you're a 30 year old man who should be caring for family and friends or something, right? I'm not saying that, you know, this is a podcast for fathers, obviously, but I, I think as as a man who's- over mid twenties, right? There, there should be different expectations than you know. We kind of live in a world now. It's like, well, you make your own choices, and you know that's okay. And it's like, well, no, there should be some shame. I think, quite frankly, um, you know, if you're not advancing your life or improving the lives of others around you in at least some small way, then what are you like? You're just stealing oxygen at that point, quite frankly. I mean, what are you doing? You're taking up space and eating food bluntly yeah. and i think men like we crave more we crave adventure if your adventure mm -hmm. is is not climbing mountains and something else that's fine but like go do it don't talk about it go do it so i'll yeah, get I'll, I'll pause I, I think i think we i think we apologize too much like you guys were like oh you shouldn't say what you just said i don't even know what i said wrong i'll be honest because i'm done apologizing for the way that i feel and the opinions i have because today's society doesn't let you have an opinion we're allowed to have opinions. Like, yeah. I'm sorry, but we're in that phase right now. And I've said this before, hard times create strong men, strong men create good times, good times create weak men and weak men create hard times. We're at the weak men create hard times. Let's be real. And that's why society has a generation of men who are absolutely pathetic. There's no other word for it. They are yeah. pathetic. You can't stand up for your responsibilities. You can't stand up for anything in life. More than, hey, I'm going to go complacently into the darkness with a mediocre job, a mediocre life, and just play video games to my heart's content or not have responsibilities, have zero ambition, and just live on cruise control. Well, that's that's just, our problem right now. That's For, comfort. Personally, to me. Comfort. Yeah, well, comfort, comfort, right. comfort and mediocrity is where dreams and, and, and responsibility go to die, and a lot of that is self-deception. And one of the things that's in the actual physical book is um, some, he has a couple of pages called Let the Truth Hit Home. And it's uh, when a man faces himself. So it's looking yourself in the mirror and taking about 30 minutes to sit down with a, a piece of paper and a pen. And you divide your life into to major areas like um, your responsibility as a husband, as a father, um, you know, your, your role in church, your job, your friends, all that stuff. And you have to be brutally honest with yourself and ask yourself, where do I need a wake-up call in that? Where, where do I need to work on it? And if, if you write, the, there's going to be a place. Everybody has a weakness somewhere. And if you go in there and you figure out where you're weak at and you slowly work on those, even if it's just a 1% change every day, I mean, man, two, three years down the road, you're going to be such a better person and a better father. Me and versus husband. me. Absolutely. Yeah. Me versus me mentality. Yeah. And you know, there was no one better about that than Kobe Bryant. If you ever watch anything he ever talked about, he talks about it was always him versus himself. He didn't give a crap what Michael Jordan, LeBron James, anybody else is doing. And that's why he's one of the greatest of all time in what he did. And I think it goes back to the mentor thing. Uh, you know, the third pillar being the mentor. You're a disciple. You're a mentor for the people who look up to you. And if we, we talk about strong men, look at. Look at the men that women want. 
They're the guys who step out of their comfort zones. They're the guys who are willing to do the things no one else is willing to do and learn. Because when you learn from your own mistakes and you learn from your own failures, you're willing to teach those failures and those strengths to other people. And I think that's another thing. People are so afraid to fail nowadays. Don't Mm -hmm. like, I think Steve Harvey said it best. Failure is best because failure makes you your best. It's what teaches you, hey, pick yourself back up. Be a tougher man be a, or a woman, whatever the case may be. Uh, do better with yourself by being harder on yourself. Make yourself uncomfortable. Face your fears. Do the things that, that make you genuinely like cringe because those are the things that once you take yourself to that precipice and that ledge, you can come back and say, hey, I did that. I fixed these things. I did those things. I've had a lot of problems in my life, and I'm the cause for most of them. I'll be honest. But I, I took a step back, and George, you've had conversations with me, Dustin, uh, of course, Brandon, obviously, being my twin brother. But uh, George saw me at some of my lowest points in my life, so did Dustin. Um, and the first thing I, que- I questioned was not you know, the other person or the situation. It was myself because I hold myself responsible ultimately, and I think that's that's what more men need. And I'm not saying I'm anything more of a man than anybody else. I'm definitely not. But I think men in general need to question themselves. They need to question their motives. And then they need to learn from their failures so that they can be better mentors. Because like George said, being a mentor is one of the greatest things that a father can be. Because at the end of the day, my father taught me that. He taught me that failing is the number one thing you can do. And listening to other super successful men say the same thing. Or father, excuse me, not just men. has been so instrumental in just everything I've ever learned. And it's it's put me on a different path because I was stuck in a career that I absolutely hated, working 12, 12 hour shifts, six to seven days a week or more, um, 100 hour weeks. And now I pushed myself, quit my job, took a risk, faced my fears, failed a bunch. And now I'm in the medical industry and I absolutely adore what I do. And I didn't give up on it, even when I had to take a step back, go back to that industry. I eventually got back where I needed to be. And I think to go what George said is, uh, you know, a man can literally go through anything as a father and know at the end of the day it's worth something because they're doing it for others. I think that's something that we can easily lose sight of. And I know I, I do sometimes. So just my two cents on that. Yeah. Dustin, you've, you've been kind of listening and thinking. I, I know you've yeah, I got something prepped. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to ask you guys, what do you think was your entry into manhood? I I feel like many successful cultures have an entry into manhood, right? You go on a vision quest, right? You take some drugs and you go shoot a a bow at a deer, right? I mean, or whatever, you know, and, but I don't think our culture has that. I didn't, I didn't have an entry into manhood. I went to college, I got drunk, I got laid, you know, I mean, like all things that we say, oh, that makes you a man. That doesn't make you a man. That's all BS, right? I mean, back in the day, you had to defeat your peers. You had to go live on a mountain for three days with no food or water. You know, you had to do something that you are yeah. a man after you finish this. And there's no uh, no quest to manhood in our so, culture that, that at least I was a part of. So I'm curious if you guys had a point in your life that you would say, this is when I knew I was a man or this was my, uh, my vision quest, my entry into manhood. Because I think that's super important. I've got two things. So one, I'm going to give you a quote from the great theologian, uh, Ben Affleck. He said, uh, <laughs> it's a great quote, though. He said, you know, uh, but I forget the exact 
specifics of it, but basically came to the point is like, I, I used to think this made me a man. I used to think that made me a man, but I realized that, um, I didn't become a man until I had children and started thinking of the world in terms other than myself. So mm. pretty powerful. But the second, I'll ask a question to you actually, or for the group to maybe ponder is why do you think our society doesn't have a ritual on, on manhood? It's almost like it's intentional. Mm. That's that's deep. Dude. Let me think about it. So if you're, you know, you know, I look at what's just going on in our society and all these things that, I, I think this is a huge part of what you were talking about earlier, Dustin, of how you know less boys are graduating college or less you know doing these desirable jobs and things like that. I think it's because, I mean, could you imagine being a young boy growing up in today's world? Like, what 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 are you supposed to be? Like, I knew, like, I, for us, I feel like we were old enough. It's like, oh, you got to be an athlete, or you got to work hard. You got to, you know, it's like you got to tough it up. You know, stiff upper lip. And the things that maybe that we didn't have was maybe some of that tenderness, some of these other pillars. But when it came to like you know, going out and being a warrior, I don't think we were raised in a generation that like, that was like a foreign concept. But today I, I think, I think men are, or young boys even are like in a lot of areas in our country, they're torn apart for trying to be that. So if you know, you're seven and you get ridiculed for trying to be a great athlete or something like that, or, or go out and do something kind of dangerous. Uh, oh, that's dangerous. That's bad. Well, boys, that's what we do. We break bones. We do stupid stuff. That's that's how we learn pain and repetition. And that's just we're hardwired that way. And to say otherwise is just, you know, you're you're just not seeing the big picture. But to me, it's like signs of like some sinister plot to confuse boys from a young age so they never can become a man. And I, I, whether it's intentional or not, I mean, the the reality is, um, yeah, we don't have this. How do you, when do you know you become a man? Is it when you have sex? Is it your first beer? Is it, no, uh, is it having a kid? I don't even think having a kid makes you a man. Quite frankly, I've seen, I've no, seen numerous people who have fathered children and run and that I, you're not a man. That's what, that's what little boys do. They skin their knee and they run back to mommy. Right. I mean, so yeah, maybe we do need a ritual. I don't even know what that'd be in, in modern times, but at least then there's something like, hey, you know what? I'm a man now. I have to take responsibility, and society expects it of me. That's the other problem, too, is we don't have shame. There's no shame in our culture anymore. It's ludicrous. Like, even in the Army, when I was active duty, they made us turn around when people were doing their push-ups and stuff so you couldn't, like, see if they were doing them wrong. And I was like, why? That's insanity. If Private Snuffy or Captain So-and-so isn't doing good push-ups, the whole unit should know that he sucks at push-ups because at the end of the day, our job – depends on being physically fit to survive in combat this isn't a this isn't about your feelings the bullets are blind bullets kill you whether you're blue black green or orange so if you suck at being physically fit then quite frankly you're a liability and the whole unit should know about it because then you'll feel the shame of knowing that you need to pick your weight up and get better and like that is a that's like a dirty concept even in the military today think think about how insane that is so back in you're world, making me want to drop and give you 20 right yeah now. but like back in world <laughs> no but just contrast this with like so in the 40s when world war ii was starting and they were looking for volunteers for the airborne the 101st airborne and stuff there were people who were literally committing suicide because they couldn't get into the airborne they couldn't going into programs they couldn't, and, and getting injected they they killed themselves because they they were so ashamed of not being able to make it that's insane man and that's... now now compare that to men today 
I'm not saying you should kill yourself. Absolutely not. That is well, not yeah. that is not a healthy response to that situation. But just think about the mentality of that society versus today. And I'm not saying you should. It comes back to what Hop said, right. the, the one, I, the thing I just quoted. I mean, it, mm-hmm. the strong men. Yeah, I'll, I'll say this. I don't mean to cut you off. I'm sorry. No, I've, I was already rambling. Lose, so. No, before I lose my train of thought, I think the man, the moment I knew I was a man was uh, nothing selfish. Like, oh, I had this great achievement, or I did this, or I got laid, or none of that bullshit matters. I think, for me personally, um, my father's my best friend. Brandon can tell you he's an incredible guy. I love my dad. I can't brag on him enough. But I think the day I knew I became a man was when not only did my father Christ teach me to live a certain way, when I caught myself doing something bad or said I should feel guilty for, and I did, and I felt horrible, and I knew what I was doing was wrong, and I stopped myself halfway through it. I'm not going to say what it was because it wasn't exactly legal, but um, I stopped and i was like look what the hell am i doing my dad would be so disappointed to me right mm. now and, and it, it requires having a father that's what we talk about on this podcast fortunately i had a damn good one who went through a lot of shit in his life and stopped the cycle of hatred and abusiveness and all mm. the crazy stuff he went through and we'll tell that story another day from what my dad went through but the man has a heart of gold and the day that i knew i started inheriting that heart is the day i knew i was becoming a and the day that I knew I could come to my father and say, hey, this is what I did today, mm-hmm. and he was proud, that meant more to me than getting laid by the hottest chick or <laughs> doing the right thing in school or mm-hmm. getting this graduate degree or whatever the case may be. And I, I feel like knowing that I'm following my father's footsteps and and making him and my mother proud is something that, that probably sits the most well with me. Yeah. So, Dustin, I want to kick it back to you because I kind of – I, I stole the reins from you there. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, you're good. Um, yeah. I mean, as far as, you know, when I really thought that I was a man and, you know, kind of had that moment, I, I was older. Um, I, I think I went through kind of an extended adolescence in some sense yeah. um, because college wasn't nihilistic for me, but I definitely didn't have a plan uh, w- when I was going through it. Um, it was a learning experience for me. It was a lot of growing, but I don't think that process should happen in college per se. And I don't necessarily think it should happen, you know, in your late twenties, thirties for a lot of men, that's too late. Yeah. Women's brain have been shown to be a lot more plastic. If a early twenties female is really struggling and isn't successful, women, not, not always, but tend to be better about accepting that and then bettering themselves later. I think more and more you see, um, I see some of my friends, you know, who are now pushing 40, uh, very successful, you know, went to college and then saw their other friends be successful, but they didn't have that success. You know, the, the recession of 2008 hit, there were a lot of, you know, challenges with jobs. And they said, I'm just as smart as Dustin, but he's making money and I'm not. So the system's unfair. It's out to get me. I'm going to check out and go play video games and not have kids and not have any responsibilities and just go, you know, have fun because the world isn't fair. Yeah. Um, and I think those some of those people may never, you know, overcome that. Right. I mean, if you don't hit that window at a young age, mm-hmm. men really struggle to bounce back and continue to achieve. Um, and so uh, I, I honestly couldn't tell you what my moment where I said, oh, you know, I'm a man and this is it um, when it happened, because I don't necessarily it was a slower process for me. There wasn't, you know, a quest that got me there. Mm-hmm. And I 
I don't know. I, I, there's no regrets in life, but it, it's uh, it would have been cool to have a little bit more of that as a community, whether it's going into the military or, um, uh, you know, um, having a community that, that got you there. Uh, you know, I don't know what other cultures did, but it took me a little bit longer to get there, you know, to, to feel like I was a man than, yeah. I, um, you know, than other people did. Actually, I have a great question for you, Dustin, since you grew up in a, mom, a single mom home. Yeah. Is there a moment that you stopped and thought, damn, I think my mom would be proud of me, that you felt like you were a mature man, that you were a man, that made you feel like a man? If I could think of a single moment where that happened, um, when I was able to take care of her and take her on vacation and pay for everything um, and go to Mexico awesome. with her and uh, you know, buy all of her drinks, get a massage for her, get a nice five-star room and just say, you know what, I can do that for you and it's no skin off my back. And uh, that I think was a really special moment for me where I said, that's amazing. I, I feel like I made my mom proud. Yeah. And the smile on her face was worth every penny. That was really cool. Oh yeah, for sure. I'm sure you watched that, that weight lifted off her too. Like, Hey, you know, I, I know you've taken care of me my whole life. It's time for me to take care of you a little bit. You know, that's a, uh, that's, that's dope, dude. I like that. Yeah. yeah. I appreciate I like that. that. Yeah. That's always in the back of my mind for sure. Yeah, I think the best ritual that any man can have to become a man is to just relentlessly start to pursue it, starting to pursue being a man. You know you're adolescent in a lot of your ways. You know that there's weaknesses and imperfections that you have. Start pursuing it. That should be the ritual. Like, I suck at this. Okay, pray about it, read about it, study it, figure it out, say, this is how I'm going to this is my plan of attack. This is how I'm going to fix it. And you fix that. And then you say, okay, here's the rest of the list. What else can I start doing? And I think that should be the ritual for every man. Yeah. How can I be a better husband, a better In father? Initiation. Like, yeah. Like Initiator. I think the ritual That's should strong. be just starting that first step and yeah. that mentality. It's, it's like when somebody has an addiction, the first step is knowing you have a problem. Mm -hmm. So, understanding and acquiring the knowledge to figure out where you have those problems and then start attacking it. And that goes back to the book, having a vision. You have to have a vision for yourself. You have to have a vision for your, your family and your friends. And I feel like I one of the things he said was the measure of a man is the spiritual and emotional health of his family. And when you continuously check that, uh, that health, um, you start finding out where it's not healthy and mm -hmm. you start fixing it. Yeah. And I think that's where a true man really starts to shine is when he takes responsibility for his crap and he starts doing it. Yep. So Dustin, I was going to, um, I was going to kind of echo, well, not echo, but maybe kind of expand upon what you were talking about of, uh, you know, the extended adolescence. Um, and you know, you think you became a man later. I mean, I, I, for me, the same, um, you know, I, if, I, if I'm honest, I think I joined the military because I was seeking validation for something that I never had. And so I think, you know, I, I can say all the buzzwords of like, oh, I want to serve my country and all these kinds of things. But I don't think any of that made me a man. I don't even think going to war made me a man, quite frankly. Um, you know, I, I was in some ways a man, right? Because I did what I needed to do when I was there. But uh, on the inside, I think I was still, you know, I was just a, a hurt little boy who was looking for validation from other men, right? Um just being very real and and then even having a kid you know had a kid um got out of the military we moved to texas and i mean my marriage is 
on the verge of divorce numerous times. And I don't think any of that, I don't think I was really being a man through any of that. And it, it wasn't until, um, I accepted responsibility for my flaws and what I was doing to hurt my wife and my marriage. Um, and ultimately my daughter and started to course correct that. I think I re if I can confidently say like I was a complete man that had self-awareness about my, my failings and my weaknesses and accepting accountability from other more accomplished men, wiser men, um, and, and accepting their, uh, you know, reproach on me. Uh, so I guess I was like 28, 29, you know? <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So, I mean, I like, the, I think you kind of were kind of saying that earlier, like, oh, I didn't ever join the military or anything. I don't think that makes you a man. Um, it makes you tougher in certain ways, but I think it makes you stunted in others too. Right. I would, I'd bring home at work. How can you not? Uh, you know, and I treated my wife like she was one of my soldiers, not my spouse, you know? Um, and, you know, I came from a broken home too, really messy divorce. I was 16 when my, when my parents split up. Um, and I mean, I think a lot of that was me feeling the impacts of a broken home and, you know, I don't want to get into all the details, but my concept of who my dad was and who my mom was, was very skewed by a lot of, uh, you know, just stories being woven that I, you know, weren't true. Uh, and so my dad and I reconnected about that same time when I think I really became a man in my late twenties and, uh, you know, kind of just let the past be. And I think that's played a big role too in me being a lot more sure and in, in myself, but you know, I'm just one example of how a broken home and, and a messy divorce can really, I mean, my grades just took a nosedive. Just every aspect of my life got worse. Um, for a while yeah. and you know i was able to kind of pick up the pieces a little but i think i think i was still a 16 year old boy in a soldier's body doing soldier things until i was um 27 28 you know so just being very open and honest but i think uh my story is probably more common than people would want to admit and you know i don't know how we fix that other than i guess be be a good father and don't don't uh mess things up so if, if we if i can i would like to really get into the last point i had in the notes and i think this is a good segue and this is the staying power um so this is what i think is the outcome of having the four pillars and it's it's endurance it's perseverance so stay, staying power it, the author says is a man's greatest strength endurance literally translated means staying under so it means remaining persevering holding fast and standing firm and uh, we talked about this earlier. Today's real men are a vanishing breed. It's killing our culture. So one third of American children are not living with their natural fathers. And this was in 1992. That's when that was. So I, I would venture to guess that that's probably a much higher number today. Probably two thirds now. I don't know about that high, but I think at least close I mean, to 50%. Close. Yeah. And then we talked about how 70% of men in prison grew up without a father. So, um, you know, quite frankly, people don't keep their word today. Um, and the author says the bottom line is stay with it, man. So there's, I want to just read real quick. Oh man, my discord screwed up again. Um, let me see if I can get that fixed. Can y'all hear me? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Y'all, your screens are lagging. So unfortunately you're not going to see your beautiful faces for until this fixes. But, um, the quote, the, the line from the book is stay with it, man. Stick by your commitments, stand by your promises, never let go. No matter what, when marriage isn't fun, stay in it. When parenting is over your head, stay at it. When work is crushing your spirit, don't let it beat you. When the local church is overwhelmed with pettiness, stay by it. When your children let you down, pick them up. 
When your wife goes through a six-month mood swing, live with it. When it's 4th and 14 with no time on the clock, throw another pass. Understand that the heart of staying power is sacrifice. And I think that that's um, ultimately, um, you know, sacrifice isn't isn't valued anymore. And I think that that's a lot of how we get to where we are. It's, it's Sacrifice is the opposite of being selfish, right? And we live in a culture today that values, oh, well, I want or I should have or me, me, me. And it's all just a lie. Um, I think men... We're, we're supposed to sacrifice for others, not not all the time, right? But when it's your family, like there should be no question. Um, so let me let me just pause there, and I'm actually going to try and fix Discord real quick <laughs> while you guys are talking. I'm, okay, I'm going to jump. Can I jump in, Beef, real quick? Yeah, yeah. I'm just whenever we get back to recording, I've got a great question. For okay. Let, yeah. Actually, let me pause this. Let me just leave Discord and join back in. So. Play off the sacrifice thing. Um, I think that's one of the hardest things as a father, man. You sacrifice a lot. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's unspoken sacrifices, man. Unspoken sacrifices that never get appreciated. Well, and so that's, that's the hardest. But see, that's the thing is I would, I would add into like, you know, a man doesn't need, we talked about in this other book that's not even remotely uh, religious that I think I shared with you guys, right? The, the dad starting yeah. everything or whatever. But it's like, are you a little boy that need mommy that needs mommy's validation or are you a man like you you do the right thing because it's just the right thing to do you sacrifice for your kid because it's the right thing to do. do you need do you need like some outside approval you know are are you just a scared little boy who needs mommy to tell you good job and give you a cookie or and i hate to be so blunt about it but that's just the reality of the situation i mean you're sure. gonna you're gonna no, run, I, I get that yeah you're gonna run into it when when your son gets older man you're gonna come home from work and just be exhausted and and he's gonna be like dad i want to go but do there's this a difference there's a difference yeah. between validation and appreciation sure well, i'm talking sure. about when you when you're in the thick of it and every day is a freaking struggle and you're fighting your demons and everybody outside of of your mental state has no clue what's going on internally and all you want is just someone to say, hey, look, I see what you're doing. Mm-hmm. I appreciate what you're doing. Like, that means more to a father than, you know, a Ferrari or whatever the hell anyone could ever yeah. get you or purchase you. Like, just having someone, it's not validation, but just saying, hey, I appreciate that you make sacrifices for us every day. Like, if my wife, you know, comes to me after a hard, hard week, no matter if it's, issues with work or you know life or anything and she says hey i appreciate you like that to me is that's gold right well and i you know another reason i think that's why this podcast is valuable is because this is this is uh giving an example of what men should be doing more too right because life Mm -hmm. is hard we are expected to to stay under to persevere to have staying power well you're also not a machine so you need other friends who can say I hear you, brother. I know that that sucks. I'm with you. Um, you know, like to be that outlet, right? But uh, I think that's the other lie that our society has has fed us that we've that we've bought into as men is, oh well, if you're a man, you just gonna kind of grit your teeth and bear it, and that's not no. true either, right? Um, I, we I, need each other. I can't think of any specific chapter in the book uh, that talks about that, but I, I've got to believe that. There's some in there, and I know uh, this this organization called Mighty Oaks uh, that I've been to. Um, they teach that as well, right? The whole concept is you need a company of men around you to to help support you and everything. So, 
that's that's how that that helps recharge your staying power right is is other yeah. guys who know they know what it's like they understand you and they're going to help support you and so like that's why you know when you're in the your lowest lows and you call me up like yeah man i got nothing going on let me you know whatever i did have going on it's not that important right so let, let me hear you and just like you said validate hearing you and and mirroring that back to you but um yeah the, the, all this I think the point is, but you have to take, like, even if I listen to you and I hear your problems and all that kind of stuff and try and encourage you, at the end of the day, you still have to be the one to do it. You have to initiate. You have to stay under that. It's not, that's not my cross to bear. You know, it's your life. It's not mine. I have mine. I'm going to help you, but I can't do it all for you. And I think that that's um, a clear distinction, but. Yeah, no, and you've always been there, uh, at least for me personally, uh, just. And I think that comes back to having like your own little wolf pack, so to mm-hmm. speak. You yeah, know, absolutely. Having having the guys that you know are going to be there for the rest of your life that you trust. Like, uh, for instance, with Dustin, like literally the first night we met, we're like, we're going to be best friends, aren't we? And Did we just like, become yeah. best friends? And we yep. sure did. And uh, yeah, now he hates me and yeah. he just pretends he likes me. Whatever, <laughs> you know, he sticks around. But no, all joking aside, like having good men around you, I think mm-hmm. is, is huge. And it comes back to the military aspect. You know, when you go to war, what do you want? You want men you can trust that you know have certain skills or who are going to be there to to protect you. And I think we can learn a lot from the military, especially as fathers. You want someone who can protect you and who can step up and, and say the right things but hold you accountable at the same time. And I think that's that's a valuable lesson we can learn from the military and the structure that they provide is, you know, hey, we're not going to baby you. But we're going to tell you, hey, we appreciate what you do, you know, well, at least for the most part. Um, and we're going to, you know, teach you the structure and the things that you need to to know that you have guys around you who are family, who do love you and who are going to be there for you. So I, I'd i say with a word of caution, I mean, it's a, I think, uh, I mean, quite frankly, if I would have read Tender Warrior before I, I entered the service, I think I would have been a lot better leader, just point blank, because I was a. Uh, you know, I was I was two of the pillars, not all four. Mm-hmm. So sure. balance. I, yeah, yeah, that structure works, but I'd say take that with a grain of salt. I think it's maybe a starting point, but like your kids aren't soldiers. Your, your job with your kids isn't to go fight battles. It's to yeah. I think the, the I, I guess just be careful about like using that analogy or or uh br- like using that as your only template. Cause I think there's a lot of things uh, that you miss in, in that example, potentially. So, but, but that's just, yeah, my... no, that's why I said, just learn from it. Not, yeah. I'm not saying take that as the Bible, but yeah, I mean, yeah, we can learn a lot from the men around us is my point and well, take from that, that. That was my main question is what, um, what or who do you think is, uh, supports the, the staying power. And for me, it, one of the hardest things I ever had to do was let go or pull away from lifelong friends that I considered brothers that weren't good for me or for my life. Um, yeah. Great example. One of my closest friends um, I was thinking about and praying about having a second kid and um, basically flat out told me I wasn't a good enough dad to my kid that I currently had and that I wasn't ready for a second kid. <laughs> so, <clears throat> Over time, that just kind of poisoned my soul and my my self esteem, and it, it 
it made me doubt my capabilities as a father. But then, you know, I just had to anchor myself in Christ and realize that God had called me for this purpose or he wouldn't have ordained my children for me. And, you know, I thought about what he said a long time. I challenged it to make sure that there weren't some things that he had truth to. But I realized a, a lot of it was just uh, a different understanding of the world, uh, different different lifestyles. Um, and he only saw a small fraction of, of my journey as a father. Mm-hmm. And had he seen the entire picture, I don't think he would have said that. But the point is, is that my growth skyrocketed when I was around the right people because I was encouraged, I was loved, I was appreciated. And, you know, I think a lot of it is who you surround yourself with. Are you surrounding yourself with somebody who doesn't care about being mediocre, who doesn't care about being comfortable, who's pessimistic, who's going to constantly, oh, you don't need to do that. That's not, that's a horrible idea. You know, when you're actually passionate and excited about something. So I think if you, if you weed that out, that helps, um, hasten your growth. Yeah. Um, so I think, uh, I forget who's, who told me this and I forget the exact analogy, but, uh, it's something to the extent that like every man needs, uh, like three types of men in their life minimum. And you need an older man who challenges you, who mentors you, who coaches you, who holds you accountable when you, when you're wrong. Hey, look, George, just, I'm telling you right now, I know better because I've lived longer do it like this instead, right? Then you need friends who are of the same age, right? That, like you were saying, are like-minded, who will challenge you, but also support you, but not detract from you either. And then you also need younger men that you are mentoring and you're you're preparing the next generation. So I, I forget there was, the, oh, man, I forget who told to me and I forget the, they had a real, real sharp like example of like the three, but if you can just kind of take that with you, I think it look at your own life and, and think about, do you have that? Do you have at least one older uh, guy in your life who, who knows better, who can teach Maybe it's your dad. If it is, that's awesome. Maybe it's not your dad. That's, that's good too. I mean, it can be a guy from church or from some association you're in or whatever, but um, I mean, it's, I realize now why my internet's been struggling. We have storms outside. <laughs> just heard it, but um you know, it, it can be someone that you just know from somewhere. It doesn't have to be like some person. But I mean, you go to school to learn from a teacher who's like done it longer than you. It's why why would you treat life any different? So, um, and then in the same way, right? We talked about the mentor pillar. It, it's our job to teach those behind us how to how to do this thing called life too. So, it's not enough for just for you to collect all the knowledge yourself and then hoard it. You gotta pay it forward. So. I'll say this real quick, Brandon. Uh, that's a good point. Having shitty people around you will bring you down. Mm-hmm. As a father, as a friend, as a brother, uh, those two guys, which I know who two the two are that you're referring to, you're not going to ever say their names. I'm not going to say it either just because, one, I don't want to get sued, and two, I think I'm better than that. But uh, they're pieces of shit, dude. They fall into that category of people who are in cruise control. Like I talked about earlier, they are not good for your soul. They're not good for your your career, they're not good for anything in your life. So you are so much better without them. And I think you replaced them with two guys, you know, the ones here on this cast that are willing to call you on your shit and, and push you and 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 give you constructive constructive criticisms, but yet be there for you when when's needed. And I think that's, you know, like George said, every man needs a group of guys that, you know, we can all count on. And I think the biggest 
person that is is a father. And like going back to one of the pillars, I know I struggle as a warrior. I can be a brute when I get defensive about mm-hmm. things, um, whether it be my wife or my kid. If someone threatens them or if someone threatens my way of life, yeah, I'm I'm a damn brute, mm-hmm. and I'm working on it. But you know, no, like you said, Brandon, knowing your your strengths and your weaknesses is a big thing. And I know my weakness is the warrior aspect of things, but to go back to something, you know, George being an actual warrior, I watched George come back from war. I watched the changes that, you know, when he left and then the person he was when he came back and the struggles he had. And dude, I got to say, George, man, I'm, I'm damn proud of you, man, especially sharing some of the stuff you shared. I I know it was a struggle for you and I know you had uh, some demons, man, but you know, as a father, I can say this, I've never not seen Raylan look at you and be like, you know, that's a problem. I she's always that. looked at you like, that's my daddy, man. You know, she's unconditionally loved you. And I think that comes back to being a good father is, is hiding your kids. This is a point. This is my whole point. Hide your kids from your own demons because you're going to have them as a father. Um, and doing a good job of translating those demons and saying, hey, look, daddy has his problems, you know, and, and being real with your kid and having a one on one when they're old enough, obviously, when they can understand, you know, saying, hey, these are my weaknesses. Learn from them. Grow from them. Yeah, I, I think is a great lesson that I just kind of picked off of what you said. So appreciate that. Um, I just yeah, want to man. clarify, too, though, I, you know, for me, my 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 demons and my my problems weren't actually from the military. Uh, you know, it's like I said, I was that 16 year old boy stuck in a in a growing man's body still uh, emotionally. I was stuck at 16. Um, so in reality, all, all my poor choices and my selfish desires and things that led me to doing a lot of stupid things over the course of my twenties had nothing to do with the army. <laughs> it had everything to do with Yeah, no, me never I'm not saying it's just Right, that, but I just but I'm just saying you know, I think going I'm, through the I'm a little I'm a little I'm a little sensitive on that topic because I think we've also come that's just where this tangent for another day, but I think uh, a lot of people bought into the fact that like, oh you're in the military, you must be broken. Uh and no. and that's just ludicrous because uh Oh, you must have PTSD or whatever, right? And it's like, well, you know, there's trauma in every aspect of life. It's not just like people in the like. Quite frankly, I think first responders see more trauma and deal with more challenging situations than any soldier. Um, I'll, I'll keep I'll absolutely. keep my demons. You know, I, I hear stories from first responders and stuff, and I'm just like, wow, that is intense. Um, state troopers too. I get a buddy. Well, well I'm just saying, in any, anyone in your local law enforcement, uh, emergency and fire. Like you're you're showing up and cleaning up crime scenes and stuff, and or you know car accidents like that. You want to see trauma and and violent images. That's like a day in and day out job. Anyway, so we're we're really getting on a tangent, but right. you know the, right. the yeah. idea that you know trauma is unique to any one walk of life is just ludicrous. I mean, trauma can be emotional, it can be physical, it can be um, you know all these different aspects, and and everyone has experienced trauma in one way or another. Uh, it can be the loss of a loved one. Uh, you know, if you're you're young and and a key person in your life dies, you know that's not necessarily trauma in the sense of like someone beat you up or something, but that may have been more damaging to you than any other type of life event you're going to walk through as a child. So I mean, there's just all kinds of stuff that that can mess you up, and I think that that's where being a present father and and helping your children through those challenges is where that can kind of stop some of those uh, you know cycles, but. Uh, I just wanted to pause real quick. I know it's getting late for Dustin, especially. 
Um, do we want to pop into the questions that I prepared and go through those? Or Dustin, do you need to maybe dip out now or you got some more time? No, we're good. Yeah, let's do some questions. Okay, so let's go through the questions. That I, I actually ripped them right out of the book, the section called A Man Meets With His Friends. But I think it would be good for us to just go through these to kind of tie up the conversation about the four pillars of manhood. And then we can just keep kind of going on tangents as long as our heart desires. So the first question is, what figures defined manliness for you when you were growing up? And how did these authority figures define it? Um, I guess I'll just start off. Like for me, it was always like, you know, the Arnold Schwarzenegger action hero type. You know, I mean, that was like, oh, a big, strong man, you know, shooting guns and stuff. And like, you know, that's the world I grew up in was like, that was manliness, right? Um, and I guess that that kind of, you know, that was two pillars, right? That's the king and the warrior, but there was no mentor and friend in any of that, right? So maybe that maybe that uh, plays into how I grew up. So anyone else? I'd say Jesus for me. I know that sounds very cliche, but he's the ultimate friend. I mean, he was authoritative. He was the perfect king, the perfect warrior, perfect mentor. Um, you know, his, his parables were unbeatable. Nobody's ever beat the parables this man ever put out. And, you know, um, he's always trying to connect with us, no matter our flaws or imperfections. Um, he'll never dis disappoint us, let us down. And once we're connected with him, He's promised that he would never leave us nor forsake us. So he's always been my my main. Now there's been others like um, Winston Churchill, Abraham Lincoln, um, people that have just had extreme hardship uh, that have persevered. And I feel like anybody that can do that has to have all four of those pillars running pretty balanced. Otherwise, they wouldn't have succeeded, you know, where they did. Otherwise, they would have failed. So yeah. Um, I had a lot of loss in my life, uh, so I didn't always know Christ. I didn't feel the same way Brandon feels about certain things, and I struggled with my faith and some other things, but I don't anymore, obviously, but um, I'd say the one person that was constant was my grandfather and my father. I'll go back to that. My dad was, I'm so fortunate, man. Like, he had such a shitty life, and yeah. he's just such a good guy, man. Anytime I ever had a question, needed guidance, needed anything, my dad was there. So I, I want to caveat. I have. I want to caveat my answer with my dad too. He was just always working hard. He never made excuses. So that's it. I'd be remiss. Were, I'd be remiss to not be. shout out to my dad. No, no, no shame in that, man. Uh, but I'll say this, man. Like you know, breaking a cycle is such a huge thing, and my dad did that. One, but two, just even when he wasn't present, he was present. And that's such a hard thing to accomplish for men to, especially today. And yeah. I, I just have to say, I absolutely appreciate the shit out of that. Cause uh, yeah. I, I never, I never questioned my father and I know Brandon didn't either. If, if times got tough, my dad was literally always there for us. So uh, just yeah. gratitude, man. Awesome. All right, Dustin, what about you? What figures define manliness for you while you were growing up? My grandfather was definitely uh, the one for me. Um, he taught me how important intellectual curiosity is. Um, he taught me to love learning. Um, and he was just a constant, super important um, figure in my life. Uh, so he taught me to value um, your scientists, your Gregor Mendels, your, um, uh, you know, your, your really powerful 
uh, people in history that that changed things and, and yeah. brought us these wonderful things that we have today. I think it's very easy to take um, the fact that we can have a podcast together visually yeah. um, for granted. This is like magic. I mean, can you imagine <laughs> if our, our, yeah. our forefathers could have done this? I mean, no, they've got to be looking at us like, could this you, is yeah. could, happening. Could you imagine you know, this in the 90s? <laughs> yeah exactly we're like these guys are amazing i mean, you still had like tape cassettes in your cars in the 90s you know so yeah yeah, yeah. like our yeah. kids our kids will have no concept of like you couldn't just video conference with whoever you wanted to whenever you wanted to like it's insane yeah. i mean we had dial up you had to wait five minutes to get online and then yeah. someone called and you're like no yeah. no no <laughs> all right yeah. mom are you on the phone? phone stop get on oh, the phone that's... Torture from our, uh, our young days, you know? All right. Uh, yeah. Awesome. Okay. So next question, number two, what is the problem with defining manhood by the opinions of contemporary experts? Dustin, why don't you take this one? I, I think the challenge is that traditional manhood, as we describe it, um, goes against the present narrative of how society should be mm -hmm. right i think the the concept of strong men and strong leaders and all that um completely goes against the current woke narrative and you know what is uh what is politically correct yep. um and i don't know exactly when that happened or why or when we took this bizarre um 90 degree turn in that direction um but uh you know, I, I know you guys are always consider yourself conservatives. Um, I've always been a liberal. Uh, I've always voted for Democrats. I've always um, leaned that direction. And uh, this new breed of um, authoritarian, uh, anti-free speech um, mode of, of what has you know kind of taken over as what is politically correct has left myself, and I would argue most of you know traditional, quote unquote, progressive uh, people. Mm -hmm. um it's just this insane direction that we've gone and uh i i'm optimistic to think that it's gone so far to the left that you know sane people will will bring it back in we're, we're already starting to see some some positive directions um you know where it should go but uh i think the current narrative um does not tolerate uh strong fathers and um strong masculinity Mm -hmm. uh, because it, it uh, goes against everything that uh, that narrative wants. Yeah, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna correct something that that Dustin said since he likes to play the you know the flip side. Uh, I would say I was I'm not really Republican. I'm more uh, I'm fiscally conservative, yes, but I am more independent when it comes to being social. Um, I have my beliefs and I'm not going to put them out there, but I believe that people are free in this country and they should always be free no matter what that is. Um, I don't give a shit who you date, who, you know, you vote for, whatever. I want to be able to have a conversation with you. You're an American. We should all start acting like Americans first and foremost. Secondly, uh, to answer your question, I think that, ooh, temporary man, like, I think people struggle with power these days and i think real men have power because they are the epitome of what a man should be today if that makes sense um so i think that guys who are charismatic who are intelligent very well spoken um who 
so to speak, have their shit together um, and have ambition are a threat to a lot of guys today. Uh, a lot of guys today, I hate to even say this, but I'm not going to say it. All right, they're they're pansies. Let me just put it that way. They're, a lot of guys today are threatened by men who have a vision. That's that's the easiest way to put it, um, and it's sad. Everybody should create their own vision and help build each other up. And I think that one of the most impre- impressive things that I've heard from probably the smartest and most successful man I've ever met, and he's worth not seven but eight digits, um, personally told me uh, the best thing you can do in life is, one, be successful for the people you love, but two – carry someone along the way. And I think a lot of people don't do that anymore. And I think as men, we need to do that. We need to carry carry others with us. And uh, whether it be success, family, whatever the case may be, but spiritually, I know Brandon has carried me spiritually. I've, I've struggled a lot and it's something I won't, I don't say much, but I'll say it publicly. Uh, Brandon helped me with Christ quite a bit as well as my uncle Jerry. So I have to say thank you for that. But, you know, I, I think that's to my side of things i think that's my answer all right pastor brandon to you (laughs) uh no so i think um the issue with contemporary ideology just the heart of it is just it's a perverted theology and theology is like the foundation of all science so I, i think for me personally i don't pay attention to the contemporary viewpoints because there's so much perversion um, from from the world, from society as a whole, that a lot of it just it poisons the well. Like, you know, if if you have one drop of cyanide in a whole bottle of water, you're not going to drink that water. I mean, it's going to kill you. And so, I, I feel like the theology um, or the lack thereof in society right now has George just completely water poisoned. As you say that. <laughs> yeah, it, it completely poisons. Yeah the whole thing and and so for me i i go with a more biblical based approach and some people aren't okay with that and that's fine but um he knew what works and you know every time i tried to test things to see if i could do something that i wanted to do instead of what god wanted me to do i learned a hard lesson usually yeah uh so yeah I, i i don't listen to a lot of the contemporary stuff solely because the theology isn't sound and because it's skewed and perverted. That's what Satan wants. Yep. Uh, I would just say succinctly that the problem with defining manhood with the opinions of contemporary experts is that, uh, you know, it's all this kind of make your own morality. Um, and in the, in the words of the great Aaron Tippin, you got to stand for something or you'll fall for anything. Um, if you don't know that song, you gotta look that one up, but yeah, I mean, it's just no, straight up, you know, it, you, if you are a, a true man, you have a vision, you're confident in what you know is right, and you'll stand up for what you're right. We talked about earlier. You'll stand up for your principles. You'll die for them if necessary. That concept is just so foreign in, in today's society. That's the problem, is if you try and define a man by their contemporary terms, you'll just go which whatever way the wind blows, you know? So. Yeah. Uh, Damn. I that, think that was the best answer of all of us. <laughs> num- number three, what is the advantage of defining manhood by biblical standards? Brandon, why don't you go ahead and just take this one? 
brand leads this for sure. Uh, repeat that one more time so I can, I can what, think. On what is that. the advantage of defining manhood by biblical standards? Oh, man. Uh, you can have a field day with that. Um, I mean, I, can, I think yeah. it, 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 it very clearly describes what men must develop. Um, like men, a good example, men must thoroughly develop uh, manly love. And, and Stu talks about this a lot. Um, and he said, in a word, it was headship and that um, it's, it's leadership with an emphasis of uh, responsibility, duty, sacrifice, like we had mentioned before. And like you said, it's not rank or dominion with the brute uh, or domination. Um, it's, it's no, I'm the boss assertions kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So, and by the way, people who have to insist that they're the leader usually aren't, at least they're not the good ones. Um, but, but yeah, I think a lot of it just boils down to if you actually follow biblical sound doctrine, it's, it's, it's sound in the fact that, that God knew exactly what he wanted from both man and woman from, um, from each uh, gender's uh, abilities and roles. And I think he made them good and perfectly. So I just trust what, like everything that I've ever done in my life where I've trusted him, it's only been good. It's only been a blessing. Um, so for me personally, that it's a no brainer that I, I would always follow what's suggested. And when I don't and I go astray in anything, I, I try to repent and, and pray about it. And I usually learn, like I said, I learn the hard way. So, yeah. I can't believe I'm actually about to say this, but I think I'm going to answer a biblical question better than Brandon. That being said, we had literally the perfect man walk this planet. Literally. He's the only perfect man who's ever walked this planet, and he was our guidance through all of this. And so following him and who he is as a man should be anything every man should strive for. Like, that's it. There's no other man we should strive to be but him. Yeah. That's it. I was I just, mean, I was it just gonna get any say, more simple than that. <laughs> yeah, I was you just know? gonna say it gives us the blueprint, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. he is the blueprint and and the alpha, the omega, the whole nine yards. You know, like yeah. he literally is everything. So I don't know. That's just my my two cents. Dustin, I don't know if you want to add anything to number. Yeah, to I that. think uh, I'm certainly guilty of always wanting the newest, hottest thing and saying, oh, you know, there's this new idea and that must be better than the old idea because mm -hmm. it's new. Um, but we've got a classic blueprint, you know, with, with a lot of, uh, the, the direction we should go. Um, yeah. and, and so, uh, you know, looking to always, uh, change the label and, and come to these new ideas and all that, um, is sometimes just, uh, rewriting, you know, a book that doesn't need to be rewritten. Right. right? And the answers are there. Um, so sometimes it's okay to take yeah. the answer that's, that's worked. Yeah. So, some things are universal. Not everything is changing. Yeah. yeah. Okay, uh, number four. I know I'm trying to go quick because I know it's getting late for you. Uh, number four is in what concrete ways do you live out your role as king? Any takers? Let's take it. I'll take it. Okay. Correct. Uh, as king, um, my wife, as everyone knows, is Cajun. Cajuns are very independent, very stubborn, very strong-willed. Uh, but the one thing I will say is that uh, she lets me play my role as as king i say let's but you know at the end of the day i am the king of our household because she knows and respects that i'm always going to put her first 
Uh, I think that's something that is forgotten in this day and age. A lot of guys are very selfish. Um, I think living um, for someone else is a beautiful thing. And I live for my wife and my kid. And I think that putting my wife before my own needs, which is something I learned uh, through trials and tribulations, which you guys know of. I'm not going to speak too too deeply on that. But uh, long story short, I've, I've learned a lot of my own downfalls, and I don't let them play over until uh, my marriage. So, I guess I'll go next if we're going around the horn. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, just re- reminding that it's provisionary heart. You know, I think I've always kind of just, this comes naturally to me, you know, work hard, provide for my family, look ahead, avoid obstacles. Um, you know, so in, I would say in my marriage uh, with my wife, um, you know, she's a high anxiety individual. Uh, you know, she's the canary in the mind. She senses the, the, the danger before I do, but I'm kind of the one who helps be the, the grounding, uh, you know, reassurance and stuff and just keep it, you know, Hey, we get to stay the course. This is going to work out for us because I'm, I'm watching ahead. So for me, that just kind of comes natural. I haven't really had to like work too hard on that one. Dustin. Um, I like to think that uh, my marriage is an equal partnership, um, 50% king, 50% queen, and uh, that works really well for me. Uh, my wife is a very strong person. Um, if she had her way, it would be 120% her, negative 20% me. <laughs> so I'm, I'm a strong person. And she is and very physically strong, too. She is. <laughs> she can when whoop we, your ass. Uh, when we resolve uh, marital arguments, we do it physically. We play king of the mountain, and we wrestle. And I win at least 10% of the time, and those are such good wins. It feels like she cheats. She pinches. 60% of the time. No. Right. <laughs> it's awesome. Exactly. So um, I, I think early in our marriage, uh, it definitely leaned more towards 20% of the leadership was mine, 80% was Kim's. And I thought that was okay. I said, I'm a feminist. You know, I want to allow her to to take that role because this works great. And then uh, we've realized over the eight years we've been married that it doesn't work that well. Mm-hmm. And that uh, allowing, um, you know, one partner in that situation to make most of the decisions and, and go that direction wasn't working for us. And um, now that uh, I make a lot more of the decisions, I'm a, a, a much more important part of the leadership role. And, uh, you know, I am the one making the plans and talking about, uh, you know, kind of the direction we want to go over five years, 10 years, uh, we're much happier, things work a lot better. And I think uh, Kim didn't realize it, but she was, you know, kind of craving some of that leadership from me and I wasn't yeah. giving it to her. Yep. And uh, so now that I'm able to do that, we're it's, both much, much happier. It's almost like That's she's wired. It's almost, it's almost like she's wired for that. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Well, go figure. George and I have had this exact conversation. Well, and just to be, uh, just to be clear, like, cover one day. I mean, I bet, it, uh, you know, I've, I went and tallied all the roles and responsibilities between my wife. It's probably 50, 50 or pretty dang close to it. So it's not like, I'm not saying like, I'm like the chief and it's whatever I say goes, that's absolutely not the case, but we have things that I'm good at and she's good at. And, you know, we, like, like you were saying, right. We, we used to butt heads on all kinds of things, Dustin. I think that's just marriage. Uh, learning to live with another human being is just a challenging thing. But um, yeah, we've, uh, we've kind of come I, into a comfortable I, I really, area. Yeah, I really want to bring this up, dude. After <laughs> after you've had this conversation with me multiple times, you discussed a book. I can't remember the name of the author, but um, Who, there's me? a psychology behind women. Yes, that they want to be led by strong men. Who they love, trust, and respect. I think it's wild. They heart. want. I think that's what wild it was. Heart, I can't yeah. remember. Talks but about women are literally, as you said, wired or psychologically, they want a man to 
like well, take they, control. Well, they won't you know. No, what I mean? no like, it's not. It's not. So just not to be clear, in a sexist way. I'm just no, it's saying not to take a... control, but it's you know they want their knight to take them on adventures as as an equal partner, right? And so like that's the, what I mean. I'm sorry, I can't yeah, yeah. word it no, the no, proper way. I haven't read the book. He talks about in this book too I... that that's you know that's the end goal, right? Is you're 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 going through life together. You're going to have challenges. You're also going to have great joys. But the whole point is that like it's an equal partnership between the man and the woman on this adventure together. And that's like, they, they're your partner in crime, right? They're your, they're your do or die together. So that's, that's kind of the message. It's not, again, it's a, it's not a tyrant. It's not a dominion role, but okay. No, yeah. And I meant like attractiveness. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. We've had this conversation. Right. Well, like, and that's, that's women what... are more attractive to attracted yeah. to men who like to take charge and who like to have ambitions and, yeah. you know, things like that. Not, I mean, it's on the front old. of the book. It says every woman's dream, right? Yeah. So that's, that's kind of the, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's my point. Just yeah. kind of going back to what Stu said there. All right, Brandon King, how do you live it yeah, out? So concrete ways that I live out the role as a King. Um, so one of the things that me and summer do is we sit down and we have, you know, a, a weekly plan, kind of like you would with a business. You have a year plan, a five-year plan, a 10-year plan, mm -hmm. and a 20-year plan. And I get all of her her intuition, because a woman's intuition, let's just be real, it's even biblically speaking, is, is so, it is very sound. And so I, I trust my wife's intuition. Um, I get all of, all of her thoughts, her ideas, her opinions on things. And then ultimately, as the leader, I have to make the decision for the family. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that that also curtails is that I shoulder the burden of consequence, whether it's good or bad. And so um, as the leader, I take and own the good and the bad. So mm -hmm. if something happens that's bad, it's not her fault. It's not her burden. It's mine yep. because I'm the leader. And so, um, but, but going back to the plans, we have like a five and a 10 year plan. And, you know, we, we work on these things and we set a goal because like, you know, you can't hit a target if you don't have one. Yeah. True. And so we, one of the things I do is I, I'm as a visionary, as I look ahead and I try to figure out um, ways to watch over my children and my wife and how to take care of things like, you know, supporting my wife's um, dreams, her ambitions. Like one of the things she wants is a, is a, is a beautiful home with a wraparound porch. She's always wanted a wraparound porch. And so we have found the house plans and we have a five to 10 year plan to buy that house and build it the way we want it. And I am so excited to make her dream come true. You know, um, we started with rubbing pennies together. Now it's like yeah. we're in a, a position because of our planning and because of my decisions where we can do that. And so that's, I think that's one of the ways that I, I, awesome. I have kingship. Awesome. Some. <laughs> yeah. All right, next one is, in what concrete ways do you live out your role as warrior? Take a volunteer. I kind of struggle with warrior. I guess I go into it, whatever. Um, what, what concrete ways do, the, do you do it right? The, the way I do it right is for the right reasons, I would say. Um, I, I always try to interject myself in things, and sometimes negatively, but... I would say positively most of the time, just because I'm always going to try and, you know, especially like in the future, you know, speaking for my son, um, I, I guess investing in like the self-discipline 
um, that's that's something that I'm always going to try to do. Uh, I know that was something that Stu talked about. Um, I will always defend and shield my family, and I'm always going to stand between them and you know whatever the threat may be, whether it be you know mental, physical, whatever. Um, and I'm the protective heart thing that kind of spoke to me more than anything. Um, I do have a very protective heart. I just need to learn to channel it better, I guess, is my downfall. Um, and not be such a brute about it. Cause I do get, I'll be the first to admit, I get egotistical about things. Sometimes I get, um, prideful, uh, and pride comes before the fall. So, uh, just possessing the higher moral standards that he talks about, um, and, and having high principles for myself and for my family, I, I think is probably the most important to me as far as that goes. And the most concrete thing about it that I would, I would say I'm, I'm good at is I always have high moral standards for sure. And I'm always going to shield and stand between and defend my family. Uh, but like I said, I just need to work on the, the brute aspect a little bit of it. No, one's perfect. Yeah. No. I, I, th I think for me, um, a good example is I defend my marriage very, um, very carefully. Uh, like Dustin had said in a previous podcast that he doesn't have platonic friends of the opposite sex. I think that's a brilliant thing. And that's one of the things I stand by as well is that I have Temptation to be 100%. Is real. Yes. Not yeah, a good idea. I, 100%. I protect real my man. marriage. I have to be very, very safe and careful, especially in the, the world of social media and all the crazy anonymous, anonymous uh, abilities that people have. And so, um, you know, I, I just really try to defend our marriage. And then um, I defend my children's hearts and their innocence. Mm -hmm. um, ways that I do that is when I see them struggling socially. I am actually present when they play with other kids. And if they're struggling, <clears throat> I interject, I lighten the mood. I, I do certain things. I teach them how to be better socially. Uh, Bela has no issues with that at all because, you know, she's like my wife and doesn't know a stranger in the world, but, but my son's more like me and, you know, he's more of an introvert when it comes to that kind of thing. So I, I protect yeah. him there, but, doesn't but the other straight. things that I do is just a constant, constant, high aggressive pursuit of self-help learning to make myself better and a constant uh, aggressive approach towards just learning in general, trying to learn everything I can. I don't, I don't replace things. Uh, if they're broken, I fix them. Um, I always look and try to master things. Um, I want to be a jack of all trades. You know, the, the saying goes jack of all trades, master of none, but the whole thing is still better than being a master of one. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I'm, I'm trying to be, a jack of every trade that I can because I feel like it's just going to help protect and, and further my family. It's good. Dustin? Um, I mean, something simple that I respect about all of you guys, you're all healthy guys. You take good care of yourselves. And, uh, you know, part of being a warrior is you've got to be, you know, healthy enough to, I mean, you know, yeah. if you're, uh, you know, eating garbage all the time, don't exercise, um, and you can't even, you know, walk a mile, um, how are you going to be a warrior? You can't defend your family when you can't even, uh, you know, run away from a guy with a knife yeah. <laughs> or something, right? So uh, taking care of my physical health, my emotional health, my mental health, and allowing, um, you know, myself to be able to be that protector for my family is really key. And I know the three of you do the same thing as well. And that's, that's awesome. That's a super important thing. Couldn't can, can agree more, brother. Uh, for me, the warrior role, the one I've actually been playing a lot of concrete things in, in being the protector is really, uh, 
paying attention to what my kid is watching or hearing on TV, social media, those types of things. I think uh, that's strong. So I just wanted to highlight because it's so easy for us to, as men, think, oh, warrior, physical fitness, toughness, you know, I'm going to pick up my shield and, and block the arrows. But, uh, you know, the enemy's smart. The enemy wants to tear our kids down um, through subversive methods. And, uh, you know, that's yeah, TikTok. Yeah, no, you're talking about the, I mean, that dopamine hit in TikTok. I mean, it's essentially a, a, a legal form of drug addiction, uh, if you think about it. And, uh, man, I've, I've looked at some of these new shows that have come out on Disney. It's just absolutely mind-boggling. Like, that, that it's a, quote, kids show. I'm just like, there's no seven-year-old in the world needs to be talking about this topic, <laughs> point, yeah. point blank. So, like, I mean, I've just gone really into hyper-vigilance mode on on what is she watching? What does she have access to? Because I feel like there's just people out there right now who are just sick and they're just trying to sneak stuff in left and right. And, uh, I mean, that's just so, it's so subversive and so wrong. Like that stuff should be a parent's choice on when they talk to their kids about certain topics. Um, so I've, I've just been very vigilant on that one. So, um, next one is in what concrete ways do you live out your role as mentor? So Dustin, why don't we go back? We'll go back around yeah, this way. Um, one of my greatest experiences in life uh, before I had my son, um, I did Big Brothers Big Sisters. Awesome. And uh, spending time with Jack, uh, he was nine at the time. He's fourteen now. Was incredibly valuable for me, and it was valuable for him. Um, you know, being a mentor to him uh, was incredible. You know, on so many levels. And I'm so glad I got to do that. And I would encourage anyone, you know, um, to be a part of that organization. Um, and something where men struggle. Uh, the list is a mile long of boys who need a mentor, mm. uh, who are in single parent homes, that kind of thing. It's the opposite with girls. If you're a woman who wants to mentor a girl with big sisters, you've got to wait a year to find a girl who needs it. Cause there are so many women out there willing to be mentors to girls mm. opposite for boys. Mm. If you want to go mentor a boy, you can go get one. You can get five right now because the, the list is a mile long of boys who need help. Mm. And I don't know what I, I'm being cynical and, and pessimistic today. And I apologize for that, but I, I don't know what happened to, you know, mentorship among men. I, I, I almost think it's like a, a fear of pedophilia thing right? Like, mm. like adult men are so afraid to be seen as like, why am, this is weird that I want to hang out with a boy. Right. right? Yeah. So um, they really stores, you know, we don't tend to think of that from women. So there just aren't very many men willing mm. to go and volunteer an hour of their time a week, you know, to go help out an underprivileged kid. And uh, I'll tell you what, it was the best thing I ever did. And I'm really glad I got to do it. It was an amazing to be a mentor. That's awesome. Uh, I just love that uh, example. So good. Uh, I guess I'll go next. Um, for me in my in my life currently, where I play the mentor role the most, um, it's probably with my lieutenants in the guard. Um, I think I have a lot to teach them and offer them from my experiences on active duty and learning from the great guys that I worked with. Um, I have a lot to teach in that arena that they don't really have access to. So I, I really take that seriously every every minute I'm there. Uh, in training with them to try and teach them the right way uh, to care for their soldiers and to to lead them. Um, And then another way that uh, not nearly as noble as what you were talking about, Dustin, but similar is there's a a platform called Veterati where uh, veterans who are are contemplating getting out of the military can uh, 
um, not veteran service people who are still in the military can can reach out to get advice on like getting out and careers and all that kind of stuff. And I've had a lot of people call me over the last couple of years to just take you take an hour phone call and just talk about whatever they need. And, um, you know, my transition out of the military into the corporate world was pretty rough. Uh, just joined a company that was immediately going through a merger. And so it was like, you know, office space. What is it you say you do here? So for me to be able to kind of uh, pay it forward a little bit and ease their transition is rewarding for me. And I think I've, I think I've helped people out a pretty good amount. So similar kind of thing there. It's just like I've been through it, so it's nice to kind of pay it forward and help them out. But, um, you know, pass, pass those lessons learned. Sure. I think uh, for me personally, uh, there's a word that comes to mind when it comes to competition, comes to sports, it comes to a lot of things in life. Heart. Uh, teaching heart. That's one of the things that Stu talks about, a teaching heart. And I took that literally. <laughs> um, I think that more men need to teach heart. When you give something, give it your all. Give it passion. Give it love. Give it your entire heart. Because... It doesn't matter how strong or how smart you are. If someone out out hearts you, most of the time they're going to win. And 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 yeah. that comes into sports. That comes mm-hmm. into a lot of things. But if your heart's in the right place, and you set it to be just dialed to whatever it is you have as an ambition, let's say so to speak, you're always going to smoke your competition because your heart enjoys the journey. Does enjoy enjoy the destination. When you, I guess for me teaching is something that comes naturally. I, I like to lead kind of like you do, George, um, as you know, but it's one of the my goals I have with the medical industry. I want to be uh, a territory manager and not just a sales rep, um, which I'm not there yet, obviously, but I'll be there eventually, hopefully. Uh, and I think that teaching the heart is is something that is missing from society today. Nobody has heart in anything anymore. They're, they're selfish or they... Mm-hmm. They have their ever, other ambitious things because, oh, I'm going to make this much money. It's like, no. Yeah. Going back to what I just said, like, if you play off of the journey and not the destination, you're going to hit goal after goal after goal because you're enjoying the journey. You're not paying attention. You have goals, but you're not worried about them because you're enjoying the entire step-by-step process. Whereas if you're worried only about the journey or the destination – you're going to miss the whole journey and you're not going to hit your goals and you're not going to do the things that you can do if you, if you try to enjoy every step of it and have a true passion. Mm -hmm. So I think that's something that's missing, missing from today's society that I would like to teach, which is passion and heart. So. Good deal. Brandon, what are you doing? Concrete role as mentor. So, um, you know, I I kind of spoke on it in in the warrior section, but it ties in really well into the mentor uh, braid as well is knowing things, learning things constantly, um, just about life in general, like plumbing and yard work and fixing things. And I mean, great skills. yeah, every, everything under the sun. I mean, the more, you know, knowledge wise, the more you can model and teach and instruct your children and, you know, help, help your wife around the house, you know, and, um, half the time they think it's sexy too. So there's a bonus there, but, um, uh, another really, really, really important thing is I've learned where I was weak the most, which was leading my family spiritually. I, you know, I would I wouldn't go to church as much, and my wife was honestly the spiritual leader for a couple of years there. And 
um, I finally stepped up and realized that that was my role. And so I make sure that my kids and my wife are at church every, every week. And uh, I make sure that my kids know that they have a hope outside of us, um, you know, in God, you know, because when my wife and I are not around, my, my kids need hope other than us. And God is the absolute hope. Um, you know, it's, he's the one person that can make them have peace and make them feel safe and make them feel bold and courageous and brave. Um, and so for me, I think the, the most important thing is the spiritual heart and, and modeling and teaching that to my Last concrete question is, in what concrete ways do you live out your role as friend? Let's take that one. Ooh. And so the, just to remind everyone, the, the pillar friend is defined as the loving heart. Passionate, but more so compassionate. I will be with you. A commitment maker, a promise keeper. I think that one for me is the one that comes most naturally just because um, a man's nothing without his word. And so for me, character and, and keeping your promises, I keep every single promises to my children. And if there's ever an instance where I can't, I make sure to make up for it and I apologize to them directly. Um, and then as far as commitment maker, I feel like that's something I prove over time to my children with my wife. Um, you know, Summer and I have been together through high school, through college, through all the stuff, you know, a couple decades. And, um, you know, when I commit to something, I, I, I see it through 100%. Um, and in this case, I promised my wife until death. So that that's something that's, that's super important. I think other dads need to realize that that is just like, you know, when you accept Christ, there, it's such a, it's a, it's something that you really have to think about what you're committing yourself to before you do it, mm -hmm. because it's, it's something that's forever and it's something that's going to take sacrifice. And, um, for me personally, man, oh, there's a lot of examples. I don't want to kill our time too much, but for me, commitment, um, just really boils down to it. every single day I show up, no matter how I feel. Um, when I walk through that door, no matter how my job was, uh, you know, I'm, I'm always committed to coming home and being the best dad and the best husband, regardless of how I feel, um, because what happens before then is not their fault, mm -hmm. you know? So, so I think those are just a couple of really good examples, um, of being a friend, at least in your, your family environment. All right. Yeah. I'd, I, I want to jump right into this. I'm sorry. Well, I got my thoughts together on this. Uh, I think it's what the world needs, man. A friend. Uh, you know how many people can stop and tell you how much the world has something of, but not that it's missing? Uh, I think the world's missing love, man. And I don't mean to sound like a hippie or crazy or anything, but like the world needs more love. We need more loving hearts. We need to love each other. We need to be friends with each other. Uh, and I think that's something that our current society is so missing. And I'm not even going to say family or our kids because we can teach our kids love. We can teach our kids to be friends. That's super easy. I think teaching our society and, and like Dust, go back to what Dustin said, you know, uh, us men stepping up and finding young children or, or, or boys to to guide and, and show a loving heart and and be willing to be a friend i think that's what they need man like the world needs more people that are willing to have friendships <clears throat> excuse me and have 
a loving heart. Uh, and I think that's what I got with uh, Stu on this. He said, I will be with you. Mm-hmm. That speaks volumes. You can be the most broken, ass backwards person. But if you're loyal and loving towards somebody, they're going to appreciate you no matter what. And I think uh, that's one of the few things that we can mark as something that we don't have a lot of in our society is love. Mm-hmm. I think being able to, you know, Dustin goes back to politics, you know, hugging each other and, and talking and like literally loving each other no matter what we personally think is such a huge thing. But, you know, unfortunately, we have the media propaganda pushing the machine against us and and making us hate each other for stupid reasons. And I think we need to go back to the most simplest of things, which is love for sure. That's a commitment you can make to someone else too, is loving someone. I mean, let's be real. Love is a commitment, especially, it is, it is, especially in marriage because that shit ain't easy. hundred percent. You know what I'm saying? It's not always easy. It's not rainbows and butterflies like everyone talks about. Love and marriage. Let's go into that real quick. Marriage is a lifelong thing that is extremely hard. My brother has been a great example of that. Not that his has been hard. I'm just saying that he's been married for 22 years or together for 22 years. That's a long time to be with somebody. That's a commitment. You want to talk about commitment? You could commit to a job for five years and move on and someone's like okay pat on the back good job but a marriage of 60 years Mm -hmm. that's freaking unheard of these days you know what i mean yeah just a little food for thought uh concrete things i do as friend um similar to brandon just like keeping my word to my daughter you know if i say i'm gonna play with her we go do it no matter how tired i am that kind of thing um you know Tonight she wanted to shoot the Nerf guns. I really didn't want to go do it, but you know, just it's the sacrifice, right? I was like, I wanted to just sit there and, and relax, but no. So just like things like that, you know, small small things. I think with your kids is humongous because, especially when they're younger, that that's how they're um how they will view authority the rest of their life is going to be dependent upon your ability to keep your word to them. Uh, you know, if if they can't ever trust figures of authority to, to follow through on their promise to them, then how are they going to trust anyone later on? So, and then the other is just with my wife, um, you know, to our marriage, but also just to the day in and day out, the, the basic commitments, you know, she asked me to do something following through on it and that kind of thing. So I think those are the most impactful ways that I, I play that role, uh, in my life. Dustin. I think all four of us are incredibly blessed, incredibly privileged people. Um, we have so much that's been given to us. And so uh, I feel that it's my duty to give back some of that to people who I know are less fortunate. Um, so I work with a lot of patients, you know, who are really struggling in, in a really tough place. Um, a lot of my coworkers are lonely, you know, mm-hmm. don't, don't have a lot of friends. And so I know I, I'm a pretty empathic person and I know that I might be the only person who might make someone smile or might have something mm-hmm. nice to say to someone. So I go out of my way when I see someone I know who's having a rough day and needs that, um, to be that one person who gave them that positive interaction and reminded them that work's not so bad. You know, there's some good yeah. people out there that, uh, you know, yeah, I'm in pain right now. The surgery sucks, but these people are here for me. And that, 
that makes me feel so good. I almost feel like I get more out of that than they do. It's yeah. a beautiful person. That, that's, that's key to friendship for me is to be a friend to people who don't have friends. Who need yeah. It. That's such a good point you bring up too, because that's what he said in the yeah. book from the, I think it was the psychologist he's quoting. It says the energy that connects men to others and to the world. And, and that ties into the initiative thing right there. Like it's on us to be the one to, um, you know, cause no one wants to, it's like, oh man, I really, you know, I just want to kind of put my head down and get through my work day. But no, it's like, if you see someone's having a rough day, like that, yeah. what, what you're saying right there is that's true manly friendship and love right that you're initiating and and impacting that person's day in a positive way um when no one else would so that's i think that's I, very I powerful to, yeah i mean i'm gonna have to quote doctor who on this and uh nerd out i think uh the, the phrase that stuck with me the most from that entire series of 50 plus years of running was if you don't see good in the world be it mm-hmm yeah, I yeah. think that's that's a super strong thing it's, it's true, to be, yeah. you know, like be there. Yeah, you know, that's all someone needs. Sometimes someone doesn't need you to say an, a, a single word; they just need you to listen. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah, I don't know. I, you know, I think that's something as I've gotten older too. I've I've become better at that, and especially the, you know, it's it's not it's easy to be nice to someone when it's like you're already friends or whatever. But I think the example Dustin, you gave where it's just kind of in passing, I think that's the ultimate test of, do you have the pillar of uh friend slash lover is you're, you're, you're able to treat anyone that way. Um, basically anytime. And I, you know, so th- th- I guess the segue is great into the next question is which of the four main roles is easiest for you and which is the most difficult and why? Uh, I guess I'll, I'll just go real quick on that. So I think, Easiest for me is either I'm gonna say the warrior role probably is easiest for me. I think the most difficult one for me is actually the friend role uh, or the friend pillar um, because, like what you were just talking about, Dustin, I've always kind of been the guy to. I wasn't always the good Samaritan, even though I know better, right? Uh, like, oh well, it's not my problem. Uh, so as, as I've aged and become more wise. Um, you know, I've come to see those opportunities more for what they really are, and 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 that's that's authentic manhood right there is to, you know, reach out and uh, I guess I'll pat myself on the back just recently. I kind of I won't go into a lot of details, but you know, it was a it was a small little gesture, but I was able to kind of give someone just a break when I could tell they needed it, and you know, I don't think a couple of years ago even I would have had the <laughs> awareness to or the compassion to really do that. I would have kind of just like, Oh, that sucks, man. <laughs> you know? So how caring would that be? So, uh, that's always been the most difficult one for me. And I think that, you know, thankfully I'm able to kind of improve upon that one. So who else, which role is easiest? Yes, which I'll is go. Yeah, I go next. Uh, friend. Easiest for you. Uh, yeah, okay. definitely easiest for me. Um, I never meet a stranger obviously uh talk a lot sorry guilty as charged but i'm great at at introducing the right people um i'm also great at um trying to just give my life story so that someone feels comfortable enough to tell me theirs i I always try to be empathetic um and I, i just i wish people could see through the eyes of others uh a little more i think the world needs that as well um 
and and our kids need that. They need us to see and understand and be empathetic. Uh, empathy is such a big word that doesn't get thrown around anymore. And that's just because people perceive it as weak, but I think it's such a strong skill to have. Uh, you know, I, I see things and I, I notice things and I, I know that sometimes um, not everyone sees those things. And I learned that from others, from friends in return. Uh, I learned them from, you know, the people that I love and that I care about who, who taught me along the way. So I think, uh, friends is probably the strength for me, but it's also one of the strengths that a lot of people should have or get to know. All right. So what's hardest for you? I go back to warrior. I'm, uh, I'm a little aggressive sometimes. Okay. I, uh, I don't like people treading on certain things and saying things or doing things. And I'll, I'll let someone know I got trampled and I don't know about, 50% of my life. And then I took a stand one day and then I got like physically bigger than most people. And I was like, all right, it's time to start pushing back. And then I kind of got asshole-ish and uh, I got to kind of reel that in sometimes. So, Understood. Brandon, Dustin, which one he wants to go next? Dustin, go ahead, bud. Okay, great. Um, I think I definitely struggle with the king role the most. Uh, I, I, really chafe uh under the bonds of authority i hate being told what to do and i recognize that in other people as well and so i struggle to say well i should tell you what to do because i would hate to be told what to do right and so um as i've gotten older i've learned that it's okay to take a leadership role because all four of us are in a position to be strong leaders um, and it would be wrong of us not to give that to people right because it's, right. it's such an um, you know, pillar. I mean, we are having a crisis of leadership and it's because men like us um, are not stepping up to the plate to provide that leadership. And I was one of those men. Sure. And so it's very important for my yeah. family, for my community, for me to be a leader. Um, and if I don't, that's a loss for my community. And so I have to remember that it's okay when you know what's right to do, to tell people to do it. And if you'd asked me that 10 years ago, I'd have said, no, that's wrong. Let people right. do what they want to do. Right. Uh, I definitely really struggle with that for sure. Um, as far as, uh, where I'm strongest, um, I've always been a great mentor. I was a personal trainer for 10 years. Um, I was able to lead people to a major life change and, uh, I, I love mentoring. Um, and, uh, so that, that's always been a strength that I, I've cultivated. Awesome. Godzilla. I want to cut in real quick and not to go back all military stuff, but I'm, I'm not a non-commissioned officer. I've never been one, but they have a creed called the, the creed of the NCO. And there's a line in it that says soldiers are entitled to excellent or soldiers are entitled to outstanding leadership. I will provide that leadership. And I love that line so much, man. Like it's such a great, uh, that's probably the most powerful line in their whole creed. But I mean, you can apply it to so many things. And like you were talking about, right? Like if you have the means and, and the know-how you should provide it. And, and again, it's not, it's not, tyranny you're not stepping in and being like oh, i'm the boss it's it's a uh, out of compassion for like you know hey look this is this is how it's going to work out best for us all so sure glad you kind of highlighted yeah, that I'll, i'm actually gonna i'm gonna give dustin some credit man uh strongest guy i've ever met you look at him besides you know my dad because he's a freaking workoutaholic but dustin put 12 45 pound plates on a sled on carpet put me who I'm 200 pounds and another 200 pound guy on it and pulled us 
half mile one way on carpet and a half mile back. Needless to Dang. say, the dude's a freaking animal. He's a monster. But I have to say, man, like, you know, you say you struggle as a king. I think I would follow you in a heartbeat because you have the empathy and you have those other things that you are strong in that you think don't add to that king. But I think I think if we're being real about this is my point, if if we're being real about what Stu is trying to teach us, the other pillars lift one of the weakness or the weakest one up. You, that balance, balance also comes from taking your weakness and lifting it up through your strengths. If you were king of, you know, America or whatever, I would 100% follow you because I know who you are. I trust who you are, your friendship, your ability to mentor, you know, all the other pillars. I think that a lot of people don't think about those factors when they hear these things. They think about one individually. Mm -hmm. Whereas you should think of them all together, use the weakest one and allow the strengths to lift them up. Just awesome. Thank you. No food for thought. Yeah, man. Thank you. All right, Brandon. Just don't uh, don't don't crush me with those big legs of yours, dude. <laughs> yeah, Quadzilla. Mm -hmm. uh, Brandon's, which is easiest for you, and which sure. is most difficult? I'd say for me, the the no brainers. Uh, it's more of a mix of mentor and friend, but mentor would absolutely be the easiest, just because of my tenacity and absolute passion for learning things. I read multiple books a week. I constantly study and master things just for no reason because I don't know it and it bothers me. It's just the way I'm wired. So a mentor absolutely would be um, the one I'm strong in. One that's most difficult for me would probably be a mixture of king and, and warrior, mostly warrior though, um, solely because I've just being an uh, introvert a lot of my life you know, studying and learning things to myself, kind of being a lone wolf. Uh, I've, I've been passive in the warrior aspect and um, I've been agreeable. Um, frank, frankness is something that's really hard for me um, mm. because I, I have enough empathy where I don't want to hurt other people's feelings being frank with them. So, yeah, I would say it's taken that me, train. It, it's taken me probably a decade. Yeah, I don't have um, that problem. Yeah, Probably. he's like, hey, you suck. And I'm like, cool. <laughs> Thanks, bro. Love you too. Sorry to cut you off. <laughs> no, but yeah, yeah, it's something I've worked on for the past decade pretty heavily to, to try to improve. Well, I think we all identified something we're all working on, but yeah. All right, guys. Yeah, no, uh, I'll joke in a sec. Almost through. Uh, so this one is number nine. How is taking initiative different from bossing people around? Anyone Ooh, that's, that's, easy. that's the difference yeah. between a leader and a boss. Yeah. I agree. Leader, leader. You're modeling people. it, like like he's saying. You model it. Um, you you actually go and you're willing to do it with those people, alongside those people, instead of just telling somebody to do it. So yeah, allowing yeah. someone to thrive versus trying to force them mm. is so completely <laughs> different. Um, I have a, a well. I had, excuse me, uh, when I was with a company, uh, I won't say the company just because of legal reasons, but uh, my old boss, Sammy, let me just say that. He taught me that um, a boss will push a boulder up the hill and then tell you to take over, and they may be stronger than you, and you are going to fail catastrophically. A leader is going to push that boulder with you 
let you take a little of its weight. And the second they see you're failing, they push even harder to show you how far you can truly go. Yep. And that's something he taught me. And that was so strong when he told me that. Uh, and I love Sammy like a, a father figure, man. And he's, he's part of the reason my success in the industry. And so, yeah, that boulder don't weigh so much when you have the right, yeah. right leader versus what Brandon said, a boss, a boss is somebody who's ego driven, who doesn't give a shit about what you have uh, as goals or there, there are selfish and reasons for money or for uh, glory or ego. Whereas a, a, a leader is like, Hey, take, take this credit, you know, take, take this here, you know, do that. They're, they're the ones they're going to show you. And like I said, that person no matter how wealthy they are, will take you, grab you, and pull you up. Dustin? Awesome. Yeah. Um, one thing I love about medicine uh, is the leadership aspect to it. It's very much like the military in the sense of um, pecking order and who says what and all that. Um, yep. And you can always tell the difference between uh, teachers and leaders who just want to sound smart and teachers and leaders who lead by example and yep. just genuinely want you to be better. Um, it's immediately apparent. It's the way they ask questions. Um, there's a, a process called pimping um, in medicine, um, which I'm sure you know what I'm talking about, Justin. Um, all the students yeah. always get pimped. You know, they ask them questions, blah, blah. And the true leaders, you know, the people who want to see things get better, um, they are compassionate. Um, they're asking questions to, to get the best out of their students and to make them think. And then unfortunately, there's some bosses, you know, who just want to sound smart and yeah. just ask questions. And no matter what the answer is, it's going to be wrong because they want to prove how smart they are. And it's, you know, these are 50, yep. 60, 70 year old men and women who their ego is more important than their community. And that's, oh, that's frustrating. So, so you could say they're abusing their mentor pillar. That's a great, you yeah. say that they <laughs> suck, but yeah. you know, there's that too. So taking the initiative different than bossing people um i would say taking the initiative implies that like you're being involved with the process whatever it is you're being involved with the kindness towards this person or i mean to go back to military stuff like it's the difference between saying all right guys go do this thing in the hot sun and you going and doing the thing in the hot sun with all your people um yeah you're, you're not affording yourself comforts that your your people aren't uh afforded so i i think just it means being involved i think when in this context comparing it against bossing so bossing is just giving bark, barking orders without any involvement uh number 10 last question from the book in what areas do you easily take initiative and in what areas do you struggle with taking initiative who would like to seize that one I'll take it. Uh, friends, again, I take that. And King, uh, I'm quick to jump into trying to be someone's friend, uh, even if it means acting a fool or starting a conversation or, you know, uh, making myself vulnerable. I think vulnerability is something that a lot of people lack these days as well. Uh, so um, that and then, and then the King role, I'm quick to jump in and lead. Uh, just because it's it's nice to for others for someone to just kind of take the reins and take the stress away from from life sometimes and just say hey I got it you know I got your back you know and and I'm gonna make sure that we get there together uh, so yeah definitely those those two for me 
Also, I think this question is a little bit more open-ended. It's not just purely with the pillars, if that helps. I think it's kind of just yeah. in what areas of your life. Anyone else? Yeah, I, think for, I think for me, taking initiative, the places that I find taking initiative most difficult is places where I'm taking risks. Um, I'm overly calculated and analytical. So for me, I'm looking at all the possibilities that could go wrong instead of what could go right. And so for me, taking risks is the hardest thing for me to take initiative on. So where is it easiest for you? Um, that is a great question. I would say um, probably where analyzation and, and logic um, are involved. So like a good example, um, if a friend has an issue and he, he wants me to analyze it or look at it, um, taking initiative to, to break it down and to help him out as a friend would be super easy for me because I just see the overall structure able to help them out. Okay. I'd say mentorship's great for you, Brandon. You're great at being a mentor, man. You don't give yourself enough credit there. Thanks. Yeah, makes sense. Dustin, what about you? Um, as far as uh, doing things that I know I'm not good at, I really struggle taking the initiative on that. Um, I'm not great at building things. Uh, I, I tend to struggle a little bit. Like, you know, if you hand me um, an Ikea box and say, okay, build that desk. I hate that with a passion. Or try to move a 350 pound couch with a sectional love seat out of your apartment in Atlanta. Yeah. That was fucking horrible. Let's just yeah. be real. <laughs> oh my God. Great example. Yeah. So that, you know, stuff that I know I'm going to struggle with, um, I don't always take the initiative that I should. Uh, to to work on those weaknesses and, and, and be stronger with it, uh, for sure. And then on the opposite end, you know, if, if there's something I'm good at, uh, I will spend all day, every day um, taking the initiative to, you know, continue to improve on that. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I like to play to my strengths, and uh, I, I think that's that's always going to be, you know, it, it's just, it's more fun to work on stuff you're already good at, yeah. <laughs> for sure. You're competitive, for sure. <laughs> exactly, yep. How about you, George? Uh, let's see. Areas that easily take initiative. Um, I'd say you're the best leader I've met, man. Now, you can shake your head all you want, but you are literally like the epitome <laughs> of a leader that I would follow into anything. Well, I appreciate that. I'm just going to put that out there. Um, yeah. I, I, I would – well, I guess just in that uh, initiative, I, I don't um, – I don't struggle like getting involved in something, right? So if I, you know, if if something's, you know, hey, oh, hey, we need someone to do this or whatever, you know, I I'm, I don't really have an issue kind of stepping up and just doing it. Um, that's kind of a lame answer to that question, I guess. But uh, no, not really, man. Areas I struggle, uh, I think I struggle with. Um, it sounds really bad, but just like staying in touch with family and stuff like that, you know, just to checking in and you know it's just so easy with like all the all the other things that are good right you want to be involved with with my immediate family and whatnot but <clears throat> just calling up my brother or calling up my cousins or whatever and just taking 30 minutes out of out of my day um it kind of comes back to the friend thing right that 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 that's uh being compassionate instead of uh selfish <laughs> so i kind of I probably should be a lot better about taking that initiative of, of uh, you know, just checking in with, with friends and family more than I do. I think that's probably an area that I struggle with the most. Um, it's just 
I don't know, I guess I just fall back in the, oh, I'm tired, or, you know, there's so many things going on, right? And it just kind of falls to the wayside, so I guess that answers that. Um, well, I know it is very late for you, Dustin. Uh, would you like to drop off now, or do you guys have more? Yeah, things? I'm going to go past that. I'm okay. fading. <laughs> yeah. So, Dustin, appreciate your involvement. Thanks for staying up late with this, and uh, it's been a lot of fun, um, I guess, to the other two, if you guys want to keep talking about anything else that, you know, we didn't really address or you wanted to keep going, we can. Um, I, I can stay up a little bit longer, but otherwise we can. Uh, I kind of just had one question. You guys. I just All right, see you, guys. see you, Dustin. Awesome. Later, buddy. Yeah. I had a question for you guys. Um, what was the number one thing that you took away from this book and how are we going to use it moving forward? question um i think for me it was just reinforcing because i've read this book before but it'd been a while um but just reinforcing how important it is to um not forsake any of these facets of what it means to be a, a quote good man and that the the price of not doing that is uh, damaging to my daughter, damaging to my wife, my marriage. Um, so the consequences of not taking it seriously is essentially destroying my own life. So that it just just reinforced how utterly important it is to put conscious effort into being a good husband and father. That sounds a little cliche, but just you know, I mean, no, no, it doesn't some, at all. And the, the staying I'll, power, I'll kinda... yeah, the staying power chapter, right? Because. There have yeah. been lots of times in my life where, in my marriage, where I, I wanted to call it quits, um, but just staying. Oh, you in. didn't think about consequence, yeah. Right, no, right. We, in the moment, you know. Conversations, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so it just reinforced um, how important it is. No, I, dude, that's 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 crazy. Yeah, I I completely agree. Um, let's be real; it's it's a society where you know everything's around us there's so many things pulling us in 50,000 directions and it's it's hard to stay focused on one straight line one straight family down the rest of the road and not allowing things to come into and attack that family or attack your way of life and it's hard man um for me i would say the warrior aspect um something my wife said actually today on a walk we're walking through our neighborhood. It's beautiful Louisiana. It's hot, humid, and I'm sweating 50,000 ounces of water. Um, she said something to me that kind of hit home, and it, it, it frustrated me at first, and I kind of kicked back at it, but she's going to call me on my bullshit, and she's probably going to watch this and laugh her ass off. But um, I am terrible at the warrior aspect because – and this is something I'm going to cover. Um, we're going to go over this. Uh, it's called, it's a book called Emotional Intelligence 2.0. I'm sure most of you have read it, um, but it's going to be my theme, so to speak, for podcast number five. Uh, emotional intelligence is such an important, important thing in life, and um, I carry it in my career. I carry it in my home life, but when something something thro threatens my way of life or my comfort 
with my family or my loved ones, I am quick to respond like a brute. And she pointed that out to me today. Like, I'm quick to act macho or to threaten. And it's not acting macho. It's really, I really will be that person. And I really will do something stupid um, just because that's who I am um, intrinsically. But, like, at the same time, I don't need to be that person. I'm better than that person. I've grown up. Um, but I'm quick to defend the people and the things that I love because I've seen what happens when you don't do those things. I've seen what happens when you don't stand up for somebody who needs you to stand up for them. So it's a double-edged sword for me and it's something I struggle with. Uh, so yeah, um, moving forward, it's going to be how can I respond emotionally intelligent in any situation, no matter what, and that whether that be my kid say something that pisses me off beyond recognition Am I going to respond violently or am I going to say, okay, this is what he really truly probably meant or he didn't mean that at all. Here's my response and I'm yeah. going to stop and think about it. You know what I mean? Um, so there's the response that you give to the world is a very, very, very big thing. And always being that calm, cool, collected voice is something that I try to harp on. And when I'm not that, it bothers me. Brandon? B, what about you? Um, I would say that it just kind of further concreted um, my kind of ideology towards everything already, which is you just have to, like you said, the staying power, you have to constantly pursue a better version of yourself. Um, I'm always going to have to constantly pursue a weakness in one of those pillars to make sure that they stay in balance. So um, I think the, the greatest thing the book pointed out was there's certain qualities that each of those pillars um, people will exhibit when they, they have strengths in those pillars. And so what it did for me is it just kind of shined light on um, what good qualities are. And then, of course, on the other side of that, what I lack. And so I think it's just kind of gave me a renewed vigor to to work on the things where I lack and, um, you know, just keep carrying forward and being present because regardless if I'm failing or not, at least I'm there trying. Mm -hmm. So, um, I do want to say now that we're wrapping up the next, uh, podcast will be on uh, emotional regulation and, um, you know, just bettering, uh, your knowledge in child behavioral psychology like realizing your kids don't have all the puzzle pieces. And so um, our book is going to be Meg Meeker's uh, Strong Fathers, Strong Daughters. And uh, I, I feel like it's such a it's a, such a great book to, to use as a discussion point because it helps us realize um, from all the pillars how to approach our children in a better, healthier manner. So yeah. I'm really excited for the next podcast for sure. Awesome. Yeah, I'm. I don't want to drag things on, but can I add two things? Yeah, no, I, I actually have like a couple more tangents I want to go down. Now no, that I'm, this, I'm so. excited <laughs> to go down this road actually because I would like to say what I think you guys are strong at. I like that. Uh, okay. My my brother, I would say, is amazing at friend, and don't take this the wrong way, but it's because Brandon's an introvert. And he didn't have the greatest friends growing up. It always seemed like my friends kind of became his friends. 
And it's because I was good at choosing uh, who I kept around me and, and figuring out what I wanted in life very, very quickly. And, and that was a skill set. That wasn't something that just most people have. So I'm not like giving myself kudos by any means, but I'm just good at that. And so the fact that Brandon held on to that, like Brandon's an introverted person, but he's so incredibly intelligent. He has so much to offer to the world. And that's why I love that he's a part of this podcast because he is the best of friends. Like, Brandon has always, and this is not like an identical twin thing. I mean, it might be a little bit, but uh, he's always been like such an awesome friend and he's always passionate and compassionate and he's committed. Uh, he keeps his promises. Um, he's the energy that connects men to others in the world, mm -hmm. whether he realizes it. So that was, that was something that stuck with me. Now, for me personally, George, I feel like you hit the mentor spot. And the reason I think that is, is because you have failed a lot in your life. We've had those talks about trials and tribulations for us both. We've both failed a lot uh, in a lot of aspects. And I'm not going to go too deep in that, but you've learned from those things. So you're quick to teach on those things. You're quick to model and explain and train. And then you also have a very spiritual heart, no matter how far you fall from grace on certain things. And I don't mean that in a negative way or a condescending way. I'm just saying, like, you know how to teach life. So I would say that was yours. And uh, I know Dustin's no longer on here, but I would say that Dustin is probably, whether he thinks he's worse at it or not, he's a great king uh, because he didn't really have one growing up. And he knows how to look out for others. You know, I say that your weaknesses are also your greatest strengths. And I think that's so true with these four four pillars because Dustin didn't have an authoritative figure or a true leader who showed him order or mercy and justice. He just has those qualities naturally. And I think that's such an incredible thing, which makes me say what I said earlier, where I would follow him as a king. You know, like he has that provisionary heart. He looks forward and he cares about the people in his charge. Now, that being said, I'm curious if we were to push this in a female aspect, what do you think your wives are strongest at? Yeah, that's actually, I think one of the, one of the things that's like says face yourself is to like write down some of these things and then have your wife review it and have her answer what she would have said. So nice. This is kind of, I'm curious what Ainsley would say. Yeah, I'm I, sure she's going to tell me if she sees this. So. I want to do this. I got to use the bathroom. I'm going to, I'll be right back in like one minute, but carry on without no, me and I'll, I'll hop right back no, in. No, no, I'll, I'll, uh, Brandon, go ahead. Talk to me a little bit about what you think uh, Summer is best at. Oh, man. Um, well, that's an easy one. Uh, mentor. I mean, she's built to teach children. And, she's a uh, teacher. <laughs> yeah, she's literally a school teacher. Um, the way that she carries herself around children and how passionate and loving she is around children it's just, it's her God-given gift. Um, she even teaches Sunday school. And, uh, man, kids, both at school and at church, just absolutely eat her up. They love her. She's one of those teachers um, that truly cares about her students, gives them hope, and makes them realize that um, they are worthy of love and uh, respect and um, that they're capable of wonderful things. And a lot of a lot of kids lack that, so I would absolutely say she's a mentor. 
So what about Ainsley? George. Ooh, that's tough, man. Cause she's she's a Spitfire, man. She's uh, she's different. She's so compassionate. She's so loving. Like and that's the reason she does what she does. Being a pediatric dentist, like she wants to help kids and make their lives better and make parents trust in that. And I don't know, man. I've kind of struggled with that because she kind of fits a few of these categories. Um, well balanced for sure. I think friend is one of her strengths. Yeah, she's super. Absolutely, like she's. Ah, it's hard, man, because as her spouse, like having been through a shitty divorce and been treated certain ways and been through, let's just say, not the greatest of relationship aspects and being treated certain ways, it's just. It changed my out- outlook and perspective on life. And so I appreciate every little thing that she does, even the bad stuff. Like, I mean, every marriage has its, its struggles and, and we have ours for sure. But she's so good at a lot of things. And it's it's kind of not intimidating, but like just great. I don't know. Um, I wouldn't say she's a king. And the reason I say that is because she's quick to lend that off to me and and that comes back to females wanting somebody like their father. Um, her dad is such a leader and you know, Scott, he's great guy. Great guy. Oh, incredible man. Um, such a, a born leader and he has that provisionary heart and he's always thinking, I mean, he's a financial advisor. So he's always thinking ahead for other people. It's literally his job. Um, and he watches over, you know, not only their physical assets, but you know, their mental, um, as well. And, uh, provides the you know justice and order for her family and so i kind of try to feel like i feel like the same for me and i'm the authority and he's the leader and he's the authority there as well so he's definitely not king but i struggle with warrior in the fact that you know i talk about i guess emotional intelligence I've, i've had ups and downs in my life so i know and i've dealt with a lot of emotions whereas most people have not at my age so um, I wouldn't say she's the warrior just because, yeah, she has high moral standards and high principles, but she's not the protector more as, as she is, I would say, probably mentor and friend. I think you're right. I think friend first and foremost, maybe, uh, but mentor as well because she likes to teach parents to have the structure and control for their kids, especially with teeth. Um so that they can keep their health in line and, and they can, you know, kind of guide them in the right ways there. Uh, Cause that's actually her profession. But then again, like when it comes to excuse me, her nieces um, treats them like her own children, you know, and our nieces and nephews, she, she treats them the same way. And, and she likes to be that mentor aspect and teach what she can. And she definitely has a spiritual heart. She's, um, steadfast in her faith as as a Catholic, um, she likes to model and explain and train. She does not mansplain, thank God, because I couldn't deal with that. Um, but I'd say probably friend. Um, she's always endearing. She's always got the heart, um, you know, to to kind of go where she needs to be. And she's a good commitment maker, promise keeper. But man, is she organized? Uh, so yeah, I'd say probably friend is. You know, a long answer would be friend. So what? What question are we answering? 
Uh, what do you think your wife is strongest at? The two, one or two aspects. Um, I guess it's a little bit weird because they're the pillars of manhood, but uh, I know, and I get that. But we're kind of th- explaining, like, yeah, I thought you were asking the question: What would they say we are good and bad at? Maybe that's the next thing. <laughs> and then, yeah, and then when they and then when they watch it, sure. they could be like, no, no, no. Um, yeah, yeah, you know, they're gonna let us know. Uh, let's see. I think the it's hard to say um because they're trying to look at it through the lens of like a feminine lens um i think my wife would most be the friend role she's just um i don't know though it's hard to say because she's like uh I guess in a sense it's a little bit the king because she's she is just so proactive on caring for our household and I don't just mean like the us the people but it, like preserving yeah. and and keeping our house clean and and uh you know taking care of like uh buying clothes for Raylan for school and all that kind of stuff and you know getting all the school shopping done like that's already all done it's been done for like 2 months um it takes so much initiative yeah she takes a lot of initiative on on just preparing us so i guess that's kind of the king thing right it's the it's the uh provisionary heart aspect there but it's also kind of the friend role there because she's um you know when it comes to keeping commitments and things like that you know she when it comes to our marriage she's always kept her commitment um you know of the two of us those of those who has uh you know, failed in keeping that commitment is me. So, um, you know, by comparison, I, I abdicated that aspect to her, um, you know, in our marriage. So I, I would say that she, yeah. she displays that pretty heavily as well. Um, and I'm Whitney, if you're watching, very thankful for you and for sticking with me through all the, uh, ups and downs. Nice. I'll uh I I'll go back into what you said uh what we think our wives would yeah so what would your let's do that what what would your wife say All you're right, best so at and what would your wife say you're James worst is at probably gonna give me a mortal hell for this but we'll see uh I think she'd probably place me as the king or friend um I love to talk so she's probably gonna say friend more so I don't know um I'm gonna say king because she's quick to. Yes, she likes to be in control of certain things. That's just her nature, but uh, as a, a type A personality, but at the end of the day, she wants me to take control. She wants me to to lead the household. She likes when I um, take care of the things that need taken care of, um, and she really appreciates when I do those things. So I would say king, for sure. And what would she say you are worst at? Warrior, 100%. Okay. Uh, the brute asshole okay. when i want to be i mean i can be a dick i i'm the quick to to anger when someone says something absolutely ridiculous and i'm gonna be the first person to step in your face and say hey mm-hmm. try me so yeah that's that's my problem and i need to kind of reel that in a little bit and she'll she'll be the first to tell you that i know she will because right. she literally said it today to me so <laughs> all right brandon what about you what would summer say you're best at and struggle the most at I think she'd say I'm really good at most all of them, just hybrid wise. I think she knows that I'm very hybrid in my my stuff, but but I would say probably a king 
um, just because I'm, I'm a visionary, like I have a lot of planning involved and in, in long-term and short-term goals for us as a, a couple and a family. And, um, yeah, I'd, I'd say Kim for sure. I'd say I know it's your weaknesses yeah, for her. What would she say is your weakest one? Hmm. Um, I'd probably say, uh, man, that's a tough one. I'd probably say warrior. Mm. Uh, not I think Brian, she thinks i think she feels like you're too introverted sometimes i feel like she she doesn't like some of the friends you've made i would say friend i think you have a shitty choice in friends sometimes because they treat you like absolute dirt because they're just shitty people and you're a good person with a kind heart and so yeah i would say friend was your weakness and i think yeah i think you probably agree with me on that i would say warrior not in the brute sense but in the sense that uh agreeableness just too passive i've let i've let things go that i shouldn't have and so i think that's that's one of the key things that's that's a good point you would have to touch on something it would probably be something like that that's where we're polar opposites i feel like that's where my wife's going to get my ass about it (laughs) i'm 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 very heavy in giving people a, a measure of grace uh so instead of being aggressive or or um I don't yeah. know, uh, you know, super, super straightforward about things. I'd rather just give them grace and let it slide. So I'd rather give them a knuckle sandwich. <laughs> yeah. But you, George? I actually think Whitney would say I'm best at the mentor role. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I think she would say that because I, I think, um, you know, when I'm my weakest, I, I abuse king, warrior, and friend the most. Right, I don't think I really abuse the mentor one. Um, maybe a little. Mm. I do. <laughs> I do like having things a certain way a lot of times, but uh, honestly, it's just it's it's more about me not. Yeah, you know, I've struggled with this my whole life. It's it's like how you say it, not not what you say. Yeah, it's yeah. the tactfulness of it, and it's like. A lot of times, it's not that I want to control people. It's like I legitimately just knew do know a better way. I'm like, hey, you can save five minutes or whatever. And like, and to me, like I'm just like, well, you can save five minutes. Why wouldn't you do it that way? You know. And so, like, anyway, I think yeah. other than that, I do pretty good on the mentor stuff. Uh, man, what what's she saying? I'm worst at weakness. Um, yeah, that's what I'm curious. I I'm honestly torn between like it either be friend or warrior and I say the warrior one because well I'm I'm just looking at I'm rereading my notes and like looking at the No, the yeah, I get points. it. I get it. Um cuz warrior has like, you know, principles and higher standards that you'll live by, stand by, spend yourself for and die for them. And I mean, I've messed up in our marriage, right? I've I've done, I I so I've I've forsaken that, but that also kind of goes with commitment from friend, commitment maker, promise keeper. So I don't know. No, I, but you're committed. You're a committed individual. You have let outside. Oh, sorry, my son. I think I think she'd probably say I struggle more with the uh, the friend role just because compassion and empathy don't come very naturally to me so that's probably the one she'd say i struggle with um i kind of wanted to get circle back to like 
the lies the world tells us and how it contrasts with you know what what is talked about in this chapter and and for me what why i felt this would be just such a core like fundamental episode that we do this this concept of authentic masculinity um and, and I think that term tender warrior is just straight up the best term for that because nothing in this chapter and nothing in about being a man in this context is about dominating others or being a toxic masculine figure and, you know, all these kinds of negative examples we have. And I mean, honestly, if you look at it too, even the, you know, the masculine heroes that we looked up to, you know, I, I would jokingly said like the Arnold Schwarzenegger, like action hero type role from the nineties and stuff like that. I mean, that's only part of the picture. That's like two of the pillars, you know? And if you really look at, um, you know, real men in, in recent history, they're not the ones who made the most money or, um, you know, had the hottest wife or any of that kind of stuff. Uh, it they were they were men who refused to back down um, when they knew that they were right and, and just, uh, and, and they stood up to defend others. And so, um, yeah, Jordan Peterson's a great example. Yeah, you know, honestly, I want to almost. I I wish wait I can't do it because we'll get like blocked on YouTube or whatever. But I want to go like his recent response to him getting, you know, deplatformed on Twitter or whatever. And he's just, he's not arrogant, but he's just, he's firm and like, no, this is insanity. I refuse to take back what I said because what I'm speaking is the truth. And if the truth offends you, then you have the problem, not me. And I mean, his, his response was just so it was, it was fiery, but it was measured. He wasn't, um, a brute in what he was saying. He's he's passionate about it, but he was also very calm and collected in what he said. And you know, just a great example of a guy who is he's a world traveler. He's experienced a lot of different cultures. Um, you know, he's not a large, imposing individual in a physical sense, but in terms of his understanding of life, you know, he's got a lot to offer. Um, you know, and and he's fighting back against the the modern experts, you know, and I, I think we need more personally, I think we need more men like him to stand up and speak for, um, you know, the, the, the vulnerable. And, um, you know, if you want to get on a spiritual sense, I, I, I believe it was Paul, I forget which book of the Bible he wrote this, but he said, true religion is this caring for orphans and widows in their distress. Yes. And I mean, that that's the protector role, right? But if you, in order to truly care for orphans and widows in their distress, you also have to be caring and compassionate and empathetic and take the initiative against the lies of the day or against the enemies of the day to do that. Um, and that's why I just, I really wanted to do this episode so early in, in putting our podcast together because the topics that are brought up here probably going to offend a lot of people, I, but I don't care because I believe that these are true and even if you're not a Christian, if you don't, if you're not a spiritual person and you read this book, if you just want to kind of maybe like, you, you can still gain a lot from what Stu Weber talks about in this book, these four pillars and why they're important from a secular perspective without buying into the spiritual aspect. And I guess I just wanted to like make that clear. I mean, I would hope that obviously you would 
change your mind on that, but I'm not going to force that upon anyone. The the principles he's speaking about, I, I just believe so strongly that if more men would follow these more, how much better off would our society be today? Um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and point something out that someone else is probably gonna point out and try to attack. You know, someone like Jordan Peterson or mm-hmm. others. They're flawed men. They have flaws. Oh yeah, I mean that's the thing too is like this. If, cancel if we go back to insanity. the Bible, like we talk, Christ yeah. wants the broken. He doesn't want yeah. whole men. He doesn't want perfect men. He wants the broken. Yeah, when I he think that goes asks for that. back to the to the king role, right? Order and mercy and justice. That's all, that's also you admitting when you're wrong, right? And so, like you know, if, if I absolutely if I if I mess up and I don't hide it or act like I'm perfect, I I apologize to my wife, I apologize to my daughter, I explain how I was wrong, and I'm not I'm gonna not do that again. Um, th- like that's leadership. That's not a a, a tyrant and be well. You messed up, or you know, you're my subject. Mm-hmm. I'm never wrong. So, yeah, I mean th- that that's yeah. another reason this whole cancel culture thing is insane. Is just Oh, you said this twenty years ago. Well, yeah, I was fifteen, you know, or whatever, right? Like, or yeah, I was twenty-five. I'd, I'd sure hope when I'm forty-five, I think a little bit more maturely about the world than when I was twenty-five. Absolutely. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah, people yeah. people say stupid things when they're younger, or they say things and they change their views. Um, that's not necessarily a bad thing. So, yeah. Oh, Hang in there. Hang in there, yeah. little guy. No, you're you're fine. I'm um. I'm watching my son. He's in the middle of his Squirming. sleep cycles Squirming. in the uh, throes of. I'm screaming, but I'm not awake. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. Anyways, um, yeah. No, I mean, there's there's a lot of great men who have a lot of great perspectives, like Jordan Pearson, mm-hmm. who are flawed men. I mean, um, we're all flawed. Let's be real. I mean, I know I am. I've got a lot of flaws, and I'm I'm working on them day in and day out. And we all we try. Um, but I really want to get down to the nitty gritty. Like, what would Kim say about Dustin? <laughs> and then what is Dustin yeah. going to be great at, and what is going to be not good at? I, I want to hear. I want to hear Kim's opinion on that. Now, but all joking aside, I, I'll tell you what I think. Since I know Dustin pretty damn well, um, I think Dustin, like I said, King, and I think uh, you know with what he said about how. Kim has kind of relinquished some things just kind of speaking for him. I don't know if I'm right or wrong. I'm sure she'll or he will let me know. Um, I think he's going to be good at King and I want to say he may not be as good at mentor because he's kind of afraid to push his opinions on people because he is empathetic in ways, you know? So that's just me speaking for kind of Dustin on that aspect, but uh, yeah, no, I mean, to go go back to what you're saying, like, we're all flawed, man. Like, we all got our shit, and yeah. you know, it's we can't eat ourselves up and, and let things happen, but to, to affect us daily, um, in that aspect, but you know, moving forward and, and learning from mistakes and learning from people like Jordan Peterson who have sage advice. Or others who you know you've mentioned uh, previously. Um, I think growth is, like I said, failing. Like you're gonna yeah. go through some shit before you get the the rainbows and sunshine. You know, you're gonna hit that rain cloud before you get through there, before you get that rainbow. So 
yeah, I don't I know, mean, man. Like, I, I've learned the most about myself through the times I didn't succeed in life. Um, I, I just think that's how it's meant to be. And, uh, like, I mean, personally, I, I failed ranger school, right? It was, at the time, it was, like, this just crushing, it was so embarrassing for me. Like, I was like, man, I... I never even like when I was preparing myself for it. I never even considered that I could possibly fail. You know, I mean, I was just so committed to like I'm gonna get through this and I'm gonna do it. And I failed in I failed the land nav right. Like insert lieutenant joke. He here. fell asleep after you'd been awake for seventy two hours. Yeah, and, but and um, but like I had two choices then. I can like be sorry for myself and you know, like oh woe is me, you know, whatever. Or I what what I chose to do was own it. You know. Uh, yeah, I failed. I screwed up. You know what? Um, I'm not perfect, and I need I need to work that much harder to prove that I deserve, um, to be, you know, your your leader. And you know, and so in a lot of ways, I think it made me way more of a man than I ever would have been. Because if I would have made it through, I would I just would have been arrogant and cocky and like, oh, look at me. You know, I've got my ranger tab. And uh, if you don't know what that is in the army, it's kind of a big deal. It's a it's a brutal, challenging school. Stu Weber talked about it. Even he went through it back in the day, um, and yeah. So you know, I didn't have that badge of honor on my shoulder, um, and so I had to work harder to prove my merit through just my my character and qualities and performance and things like that. And that's a very you know literal sense in the military. But um, you know, life's gonna knock you down, and you're gonna fail at things and I think this is where I, I'm really glad we're getting into the topics that you guys want to bring up about like emotional uh, regulation and emotional intelligence, because it's in those moments where you have to kind of look inward and remind yourself what you're made of, you know, and, and your choice is, um, you know, despair or resolve and um, affect others. Yeah. And, and, the, but here's the thing too, is like, that he talks about in the book here that we cover tonight is that if men don't choose that, that staying power that, you know, you know, yeah, maybe I did fail, but I'm going to get back up and I'm going to either try again or, or course correct and do something different. Um, the, the consequence is the, the failure of our society because like, I'm just like, I'm just rereading through like some of the chapter on staying power since 1920, the divorce rate in this country has increased by 1,420%. And he wrote this book in 1992. So it's probably higher than that. That's a lot what? of pain. The baby boomers are divorcing at a rate twice that of their parents. Pity the children. Sociologist Andrew Churlin of Johns Hopkins University says, Today's children are the first generation in this country's history who think divorce and separation are a normal part of life. Um, child psychologist Dr. David Elkind writes, we see more children who show symptoms of stress, headaches, stomach aches, low mood, learning problems. As they get older, many of them feel they've missed an important part of their life. They feel used and abused. My concern is if they don't feel cared about, then then they can't ever care about anyone else, let alone themselves. We may be creating a large number of children who are emotional misfits. So, I mean, just, you know, if, if you do nothing else in your life, but you fight for your marriage and you keep that going and you raise your kids to the best of your ability. I don't care if you make 10 cents an hour. I would argue that you've done more for the world and more for the lives mm -hmm. of others than, than 
you know, people like an Elon Musk or whatever who are developing amazing technologies and whatever. Um, because at the end of the day, that's that's our number one charter as as fathers is your kids and and your spouse. Um, I, I mean, I just I don't know how much more simply I can put it. I just I'm ashamed that I almost like added into that pain. I mean, we were literally on on the brink. Uh, like literally on the very teetering on the edge of uh, I had a lawyer on retainer and everything and and we decided to to rein it back in um and it's just so it's easy it's so easy to, great, yeah yeah no I, I get it man like, it's so easy to do the wrong I, thing you know I yeah, like, did the wrong I mean I well I didn't do the wrong thing I did the right thing for me but yeah. I I went through a divorce and you know well, my situation it was not it takes it takes it takes way. two to fight for a marriage. You can't, you know. Yeah, and I I couldn't fight for that person, and that's I'm not going to go too deep into that. But let's just say that it wasn't yeah. a good situation, and you know, you know my situation, and it was um, it was hard, man. It was the hardest thing I've ever been through. Not fun, and I learned a lot about myself in that, and uh, failure, my failures, and in in that relationship, and and in my life and I felt guilty about it. But then, you know, when I came to realize some, some other things, I, I didn't feel so bad, but, um, uh, you know, when it comes back to fathers, my father was the camel or the straw that broke the camel's back. 100%. I did not want to be that failure in the family that got a divorce. I didn't want to be that, um, that person who failed their commitment. And, I just could not take another day of that misery because misery loves company. And I promise you it does. And if a person is going to be miserable, there's nothing you can do to change it. doesn't matter how happy, how great, how whatever you are, you're not going to change someone's colors. And I ha it took a, a good hard look at my life. And one of my best friends, Harold, telling me, he didn't recognize who it was, my family not getting to see me, and then my father ultimately on a, a walk through his neighborhood telling me, it's okay to fail, move on from it. And when he told me that, it's exactly what I did. Uh, but I think and, that highlights, just like Jordan Peterson says, is the most important thing is to make sure that when you're selecting somebody that you're spending the rest of your life with, that every foundational belief and theology that you have has to has to intertwine and line up yeah otherwise there's going to be so much strife and struggle and and that's why you know summer and i you know dated for so long as we wanted to make sure 100 mm -hmm. plus we also wanted to wait uh, until after college we didn't want to get married in the midst of that but um as far as divorce divorce isn't even a word that exists we yeah. literally are going to fight it out together it's not me versus her. It's mm -hmm. me and her versus whatever problem we have. Yeah, that's because you're two good people, and George George has a well, great person I mean, too. And... I I mean, a lot of it is what you bring into the marriage too, right? So, like for me and Whitney, we just had never really dealt with our stuff, right? I was still a 16 year old boy trapped in a man's body, and she was still a little girl trapped in a woman's body. And when you're dealing with yeah. a, when you're dealing with adult issues, but you're reacting to them like children, then yeah, that's not a great recipe for success. And so that's again why like. Um, you know, I talked about the three, you need that older man. Like I just didn't have, I did not surround myself with good, um, like I had good friends that are the same age, right? Here we are. 
Um, but I didn't have older men to challenge me and hold me accountable, to, you accountable to my weak yeah. to my weaknesses outside of the military, right? Uh, as a very secular job related type of accountability. I didn't have anyone outside of that to be like, hey man, that's not cool. You're not treating your wife right. And yeah, maybe she did this wrong, but you're responsible for this, this, and this. You know? And that that's a hard conversation. Um, and it wasn't until we moved to Texas and got plugged into a church down there. And when we were on the brink of calling it quits, you know, I called up my small group leader who was in his seventies and he had just retired. And he was like, well, I hear you, you know, and he listened. He's a very calm guy, kind of like Dustin. He's not very fiery in your face type of guy, but he just started, well, have you thought about this? And what about this that you're doing? And this, this, and this. And he wasn't even like fired up or anything, but I was just like, just like he took a shotgun and just blew me out. You know, I was like, man, nope, 100%, you're right. No, nope, I have no excuse. Like I, you know, and, but if you don't have that in your life, you don't, surround yourself with people like that then how how are you ever going to get that uh feedback and uh i think that that's that's the initiative part here of this book that he was talking about is part of that is i mean you know a lot of people are like oh well i just don't know anyone then go find someone man there's it's not you don't even have to do church like there's so many groups out there wherever you are you have the internet like look up a local you can be fans of a sports team or something. Find the guy who's 60 and married and has six kids or whatever and has never been divorced and just ask him how that worked. And maybe he's got a couple things figured out. I don't know. I mean, oh, I got a story. I'm sure he's got a story. Yeah, but that's my point is like you can, you have, you have to take the initiative to help yourself, right? You have to, and, and I learned this ironically in my sales career when I joined this massive corporation. And I was like, man, I don't know anything about, they hired me for my potential as like a former military guy, hoping that I would like learn quickly type of thing. But I had zero sales skills. I had zero training. I didn't go to school for it. No experience doing sales. And I reached out to one of the VPs in the company, you know, pretty important guy. And I was like, hey, you know, I'm new. I just got out of the army. Um, you know, I'm looking for, for mentors to who can maybe help me kind of figure out the company and how to do this job. And he was like, okay, well, I'll give you 30 minutes. And I met with him, and he was like, look, I'm going to give you a couple names, but you're in sales now. You need to take it upon yourself to go pitch them why you're worth their time to mentor you. And I was like, dang, it's like really profound. Like I didn't even think about the fact that I was asking these guys to give up their time for me, just some new kid in the company, you know. Um, but it's true. You need to take that initiative for yourself to give yourself a fighting chance. Um, and, you know, it's like you – you know, help me help you type of thing, right? Like, uh, if you're really wanting to better your life, you're not going to make excuses about it. You're going to go find a way to make it happen. And so for me, it, yep. I didn't figure that out until I was almost 30, you know, unfortunately. But, um, all right, rant rant over. But, you know, I think that initiative piece in this chapter for me was honestly the, the most important part of it. Uh, the pillars are obviously so critical, but I think – I think that's the difference between a real man and one who just acts like a man is true initiative for the right reason. Yep. All right, boys, we're, we're approaching three and a half. So that is true. I say we, uh, get some closing statements here and, uh, okay. Let's, uh, let's carry on to the next one. Indeed. All right, Brandon closing statements from you and we'll go around the world. Um, yeah, sure. Um, I would just say any father out there that's looking to 
to better their family life, start with yourself. Um, you know, try to find some balance there. Start loving yourself. Start creating self-esteem. Um, I would say anchor yourself in Christ. Um, if you're not religious, I would say give them a chance. Um, challenge it. You know, um, God will prove otherwise. He He will He will meet you there. You know, um, where you're at. Um, I would also say that um, you have to make sure that you shift your priorities if they're not in the right places. So if money is what you're chasing, chase your family, chase love, chase, chase betterment. And, uh, you know, 1% a day at a time. And if, if you keep consistent, even when you're not motivated, be consistent. Um, cause the consistency will create the motivation when you see the results. So just be consistent and just keep trying to improve yourself, man. That's the best thing. If you need help, we are in the process of creating a community uh, in our Discord. Yep. And you post questions and comments on any of our videos, and we'll be glad to go through them. And, uh, yeah, yeah, we're here for you guys. On that note, I will make a permanent link to the Discord and, and post it in the comments of this video so you can, you can join and, and say hi. Justin, go ahead. Your closing thoughts. Mm. A lot of thoughts. Um, let's see. As a father, just be you, man. Do it. Uh, do what feels right. Be there for your spouse, man. Uh, if you have one, if you're lucky enough to have one. Um, if you're not, be there for yourself. Show up every day for yourself. Because uh, if you don't show up for yourself, you can't show up for others. And, um, you know, do the gym, do music, do um, whatever makes you happy. Um, no judgment. I'm a complete nerd. I was showing this. I was it's a dragon shooting flames. I was showing that to George because uh, I'm building an office with uh, all kind of shit and cool stuff from this podcast and for my work aspect as well, which they'll never see that side of things, but uh, be you, man. Be unapologetically you. Um, don't be afraid to be who you are. Show, show the world who you are. Uh, you never know who's going to appreciate it, especially your kids. Being unique around your kids is an incredible thing, um, especially as a father. Like showing that you're showing your kids that it's okay to be who they are. That's that's probably one of the most important things you can do. So, um, closing thoughts. Uh, Try to be balanced. Like Brandon said, be a jack of all trades. Uh, show the world what you're made of, but at the end of the day, don't don't apologize for it. That'd be my my closing arguments. All right. Um, I will close with a few thoughts myself. I'll start with this uh, sentence from the book in the Staying Power chapter says the calling of every man is to offer stability to a world full of chaos and i think if we just focused on that a little bit more in our society offer some stability to this chaotic world um you can maybe change your little corner of the world for the better and uh you know i think whether whether you're married or not uh if you're not a father yet maybe you're just a guy who came across this podcast and like what are these guys talking about uh this is still highly valuable to you, these four pillars, right? If you master these before you're married, how much better will your marriage be 
right? I mean, like speaking from my own marriage, if I would have worked through my stuff prior to being married, <laughs> I mean, how much more complete would I have been for my wife? How much more uh, compassionate would I have been in times of turmoil? Um, you know, I was I was not the man I am today. Um, and unfortunately I, I had to go through a lot of pain and, and struggle to, to get better. Uh, so I learned like a, a, a jokingly, uh, you know, the hard way, not the, not the uh, smart way. So, um, and then just to reiterate one more time, the staying power, I mean, for all my faults and for, for my wife and all, all of her faults and all of our struggles in our marriage, um, we both decided to stay and both decided to endure and um man am i glad we did because we we've been married for um coming up on nine years pretty close to nine years now and uh we have a a beautiful daughter who will be seven soon and you know if i if we would have walked away from that um yeah we're getting old if we would have walked away from that for any of the reasons that we felt was right, um, and these last couple of years we've had, had so many great memories and just experiences that probably wouldn't have happened, and uh, it it is worth fighting for. Your marriage is worth fighting for. Your relationship is worth fighting for. Your kids are worth fighting for. Staying power is the ultimate outcome of having these four pillars. And I'm far from a perfect man. I have lots of weaknesses. My wife will tell you. Um, And I don't mean that sarcastically. I mean, I I legitimately do. And she knows because she has to live with my weaknesses. So um, it's not about being perfect. It's just about trying to be better. And I think, um, you know, it's not my story to tell necessarily, but there's a guy named Chad Robichaud who founded Mighty Oaks, and he was on on at a high level real quick. In summary, the to the world he looked like a rock star, right? Marine Force Recon operator, became a Strike Force MMA champion, you know, tons of money, fame, all that kind of stuff. But his marriage was totally dead, and uh, he finally just decided that he was going to make it right and and refused to quit and. For a long time, his his wife rejected his his efforts, um, but he just never gave up, and they stayed married, and they have kids that are adults now that are having their own kids and all that kind of stuff. And um, you know, if he wouldn't if he wouldn't have stayed, if he wouldn't have kept trying uh, to make it work, then it wouldn't mm-hmm. have. And uh, you know, I just how many men have walked out maybe one round too soon, and uh, you know. Until that bell rings, just keep keep getting back up, keep staying in it, and uh, you know your your endurance and your perseverance, and you just making an effort daily to be that much better for your family will be noticed eventually. And it, you may not see the fruits of that effort for a long time, but it will pay off. And so I just encourage anyone out there struggling right now that uh, I know what it's like to be in the midst of a very difficult marriage and things not being good and just every day you wake up feels like it's darker than the last. But if you just do one right thing one time better than you did before, eventually it's going to turn and it will be worth it. And and you'll come out of it at one point and look back and um, it won't be perfect, but you'll, 
you'll be tougher because of it and your marriage will be better because of it too. So absolutely. I think that's a good place to end. Uh, guys, thanks so much for the discussion. Um, I think we got through a lot of really um, intimate discussion tonight about who we are and things we struggled with. And, uh, you know, I just can't stress enough how great this chapter is. Uh, Brandon, you raised it that he did write a subsequent book, I guess, called The Four Pillars. So I guess I have some more reading to do to read in depth on The Four Pillars. But I just, you know, back when I first read this book and read these things, like, wow, that's so profound that, you know, we just, it, it's lost in our society today. So I just wanted to be a voice putting the truth out there, giving guys a blueprint for how to be better. And I think we accomplished that tonight. So um, if you're, if you watch this whole thing so far, we're at like three and a half hours. Appreciate you sticking with us. And um, Brandon, what's the book we're going to read for the next episode? Um, it's Strong Fathers, Strong Daughters. Okay. Um, Meg Meeker. All right. So in a couple of weeks, we'll be back. For episode number four, talking about its emotional regulation, right, is the core topic. Okay, and children, so, children's uh, psychology, behavior okay. psychology. Okay, so strong fathers, strong daughters, emotional regulation. Back in a couple weeks, Dustin, Brandon, or sorry, Justin, and Brandon. Dustin had to leave, unfortunately. Thanks for the time, guys, and uh, we'll see you in a couple weeks.